And police in Luton have embarked on a five-year strategy to tackle prostitution in high town. Patrols will target curb crawling in the area for the rest of the month. They'll also have the power to enforce a dispersal order, as Chief Superintendent Mark Turner explains. Essentially, that dispersal order is aimed around antisocial behaviour. So if groups of two or more people are committing antisocial behaviour, gives the police power to move those people on. If the people don't, give the, uh, don't move on, it gives the police further powers to take enforcement action around that. The Ministry of Defence is planning to train 2,000 soldiers from the Libyan army at Bassingbourne Barracks near Royston. It says all the trainees will be vetted in advance of their journey to the UK. Lee Agnew has the details. The former RAF airfield was used by the Army Training Regiment since 1993 until its closure earlier this year. The Foreign Secretary, William Haig, says training the Libyan army to professional standards at Bassingbourne will help them achieve peace and stability across North Africa. They'll arrive at the barracks in small groups and will be vetted in advance for medical, physical and behavioural suitability. The independent body which has been examining the issue of MPs' pay is recommending their salaries increase by 11% on the current level. The upgrading, which would mean that MPs get £74,000 a year, would come into effect in 2015. Research by the Institute for Fiscal Studies suggests 40% of people retiring straight after the new flat rate state pensions introduced will get paid more than they would under the current system. However, it forecasts that many younger workers could lose thousands of pounds once they reach pension age. In sport, the 2013 Ashes series between England and Australia got off to a great start yesterday with 14 wickets falling. England were bowled out for 215 before reducing the tourists to 75 for four at the close of play. The weather, another fine and sunny day with a top temperature of 23 degrees Celsius, that's 73 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Catherine, yes. any chance you could do a bit longer? I'll tell you why. I'm joined by Tony Fisher for a, for a very important story and he's just telling me, well, you were just explaining to me how you messed up your radio alarm. That's right. I accidentally uh, changed the time. The, the alarm, the, the change the time on the clock. So I'd like to get the end of this story, Catherine. Okay. So can you just do a bit? Um, Is that all right? I, well, uh, yeah. Hang on. I, I'm going to fade our microphones down and get the end of this, and you you carry on and do your bit, okay? Okay. There we go. This is, this is from the other day, but you already know this. Traffic police numbers in the UK have been cut by almost 13% I'm going to stop you, Catherine. Over the last no, five Catherine, years. Catherine. Oh, come on. No, it's, it turns out it's actually quite a boring story, so I'm going to wrap that up, if that's OK. OK. Cheers. Happy to help. It sounded like it could have been an exciting story. It turns out it was just quite dull. The, the buttons that change the time close to the button that switches it on and off. And anyway. Uh, morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up this morning, including should MPs get more pay? Now, I know we mentioned this the other week, but the story's developed slightly. They're going to be offered an 11% pay rise. The Independent Parliamentary Standards Authority is recommending a salary of around £74,000. £7,500 more than they get at the moment. Now, it's been recommended by an independent authority. So no one can disagree and MPs should get more pay. Is Britain still racist? A cafe owner who says people walk out as soon as they see she's black has received the backing of her West Yorkshire community and the wider world after placing a sign in the window telling customers who are allergic to black people not to enter the premises. Well, is Britain still racist in 2013? 
And the front page of The Sun is a cut-out page and display with a picture of Paul Gascoigne saying, don't give this man a drink. Is that really going to help him? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. A five-year strategy has begun to tackle the problem of prostitution in the Hightown area of Luton. It's a story we've covered before, but this uh, this change is quite new and is developing. Throughout the rest of this month, police say they'll be out in force carrying out patrols to target curb crawlers. Luton Borough Council says they want all uh, they want all on-street sex trade to be removed by 2018. Well, our reporter Tony Fisher joins me in the studio. Tony, remind us what it's like for people living in Hightown. Well, Ian, we've, we've, as you know, we've covered this story quite a lot on this station. Uh, about three months ago, our intrepid reporter, Justin Dealey, was in Hightown, and he asked the residents there what it's like for them. It is very bad around here. Uh, where I live, I have needles, condoms and wrappers all over the place, so my children have to walk through them. The family downstairs where I live, they have to walk through them. You see prostitutes here 24-7. It is not a good area to be in it's at the moment. It's a way to live, isn't it? It is indeed, yeah. Mm. I am looking about moving out of this area. And uh, well, be yourself as well, madam. Can you just describe your life? What's it like living here in Hightown with the prostitutes? Um, you don't go out um, after dark, even before it gets dark. They're out here. Um, they're up against the front doors, carrying on their business. Um, as a woman myself, I don't feel safe going out of the house because I'm approached by their customers. It's, it's like living in get, a ghetto. It's awful. You've got your young child here as well. Um, yeah, they, you know, they've witnessed it. We have to pick up the debris off the doorstep most mornings. So before I can take the kids out of the house, I have to pick up used condoms and needles. So, as we've heard before, it, it doesn't sound particularly pleasant for a, a lot of the residents. And a dispersal order for Hightown was approved by the council recently. When does that start? Um, well, that's a good question, Ian. Both the police and the council, bearing in mind this is a joint initiative between the police and the council, they're supposed to be working together on this. Um, however, when I went to a press conference yesterday, couldn't decide between them when this order is actually due to start. The oh. council told me uh, it should have gone live last night, uh, but the police told me it's due to come into effect today uh, providing there have been no objections to it. Um, it was passed by the council a few days ago uh, but it has to go through a short period of consultation before it can become active so if there's no objections it should become active today um, and I asked Chief Superintendent Mark Turner what difference this dispersal order would make. Well the dispersal order gives us another tactic that we can use now essentially that dispersal order is aimed around antisocial behaviour so if groups of two or more people are committing antisocial behaviour gives the police power to move those people on. If the people don't give the uh, don't move on, it gives the police further powers to take enforcement action around that. The dispersal order in itself isn't the only thing that we're doing. Of course, this is just one uh, one of a, a suite of options that we all do. 
will deploy to try and solve the issues. So, and as you say, Lutonborough Council are playing a part in this. It's not just the police. Uh, yeah, as I say, joint operation. The council says operations have been going on between the council and the police for a while now. Uh, it, the council, has invested £50,000 into tackling the problem. It points to another dispersed order in the Montrose Path area, which was used over six months uh, to tackle the problem of antisocial behaviour, and that problem was eradicated there. That wasn't to do with prostitution, though. That was to do with uh, young people, drugs, alcohol, that sort of thing. Um, Nassim Ayub is one of the councillors with responsibility for community safety, and she insists they are listening to residents. Myself, I was born and grew up in Luton, so I know um, the people when they're facing with such issues like this, especially the sex tra- on-street sex trade, um, it's quite annoying and um, it's a nuisance to the people living in the community. So, you know, we're listening to residents. It's sometimes it's the small things that people don't really notice. Oh, I don't know if you know, but the small things like um, the bin shoots, you know, putting doors on them, the car park into High Town, putting gates get access into there. Um, you know, and the, the dawn cleanup operations that are happening. You know, all these things are taking place, and this is basically to um, get rid of this problem. These are the measures that we are, you know, using ongoingly. She makes a, a good point about the measures they're using ongoingly. It is a bit annoying having people doing drugs and and uh, having sex in your street, isn't it? It's a bit annoying. It it is a bit annoying. Um, but to be fair, they are doing those practical yep. measures of you know uh, making it more difficult, basically. The police say pro- the police say it's a complex problem. Are, the, are they confident they can deal with this? Well, they say it's a deep-rooted issue. The women in the trade will have lots of issues themselves. They can't just arrest their way out of this problem. Uh, having said that, over the last six months, they've detained 130 people for curb crawling, executed drug warrants and gathered a substantial amount of evidence. Uh, they've been working closely with colleagues in Ipswich, as we've discussed on this programme, uh, where the problem of prostitution was resolved in the wake of uh, five prostitutes having been murdered. Uh, Chief Superintendent Mark Turner insists they do have sufficient resources to tackle this problem in Luton. Essentially the police throughout July are going to be out there every single night. Uh, We're going to be tackling the demand for people who come from Luton or people who travel into Luton who come to buy sex. So we're going to be out there in big numbers. And have you got sufficient resources and funding to carry on tackling this problem to make sure it doesn't come back? Yes, we've got significant resource thrown at this certainly throughout the month of July and we've got certainly, uh, I can give my assurances that that remains a priority for Bedfordshire Police and for Luton itself. So yes, we have enough uh, resources in that respect. Clearly we're always going to be stretched. There's lots of other competing demands but we recognise the damage that this causes local communities, certainly the people living in High Town. Yes, and this evening, in a public meeting's taking place to reassure the community and explain to them what action is being taken, and that's being held at 6.30 this evening at the High Town Methodist Church. Tony Fisher, thank you very much. You can dance Every dance with the guy Who gives you the eye to let him hold you tight You can smile Every smile for the man Who held your hand Neath the pale moonlight But don't forget who's taking you home And in whose arms you're gonna be So darling, say the last dance for me Mm. Oh, I know know. that the music's fine Like sparkling wine, go and have your fun Laugh and sing, but while we're apart Don't give your heart to anyone 
BBC Three Counties Radio. Apropos not very much at all, I'm reading the most amazing book, Carol King's autobiography. Carol King. Oh, it's brilliant. Now, for those of you who don't know, she wrote... Well, she obviously had a big hit with Tapestry in 1971. But she wrote pretty much every song you've ever heard of. Pretty much every song you've ever heard of. And what's amazing... It was a different world back then. 1958, something like that. She's 15 years old. She's written a few songs, and she includes the lyrics of the songs in this book. They're not very good. And she thinks, yeah, I want to uh, be a song. I want to be a famous songwriter. So at 15, she just turns up at a record producer's office and says, oh, I've written some songs. So she sits down and plays one. He says, oh, go on, play us another one. Play us another one. Play us another one. Do you want a recording contract? Yeah, OK. It's just like that. It's amazing. At 15. I've got a bit of a crush on Carol King, even though she's probably about 71 now. I still think, ooh, wouldn't it be nice to be married to Carol King? Uh, 08459 455 555 615. Let's get the travel with James Worley. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks, Ian. The motorway is on bad at all. Keep an eye on the M1 on camera. Moving well at the moment, both London bound and northbound if you're uh, heading up in towards Northamptonshire. M25 is looking fine at the moment through the roadworks between junctions 23, St Albans uh, and South Mims and junction 25. The Enfield turn off. Already, though, a bit, little busy on the A405 approaching the M25, uh, the North Orbital, uh, at the uh, Brickwood roundabout, rather. And uh, as for trains, well, a good service. No reported problems currently this morning. I'm James Worley, BBC Three Counters Radio. James, thank you very much. Right, 6.16, it's, uh, where are we now? Thursday, I believe so, the 11th of July. I'm Ian Lee, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. There are calls for an urgent inquiry into Bedford Hospital following the withdrawal of trainees from its paediatric and maternity units. The council and police in Luton have embarked on a five-year strategy to tackle prostitution in Hightown. In sport, England will go into today's second day of play against Australia in the first Ashes Test with renewed hope of sealing victory after their bowlers reduced the tourists to 75 for four in the final session of the day's play. It's a long sentence. I've got no idea what it means. 
Coming up, we'll be talking more about the calls for an urgent inquiry into Bedford Hospital. You can give me a call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. We might play a sneaky Carol King song or two as well. If you've missed any of the programmes from the last week, you've missed things like this. As far as that woman's concerned, I agree with the previous call. She's the biggest racist I've ever met in my whole darn life. But there is a way you can hear it all again. You speak like a pig. Oh, grunt to you too. You speak like a silly old cow. Go to bbc.co.uk slash three counties and click on listen again. All of our programmes are available for seven days, allowing you to listen to what you missed. bbc.co.uk co.uk slash three counties. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. You can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC three CR. Little bit of Carol King, shall we? Why not? Trevor in Hatfield, stay there. I'll come to you after this. Stayed in bed all morning just to pass the time. There's something wrong here, there can be no denying. One of us is changing, or maybe we've just stopped trying. And it's too late, baby, now it's too late. Though we really did try to make it. Something inside has died, and I can't hide, and I just to be so easy living here with you You were light and breezy and I knew just what to do Now you look so unhappy and I feel like a fool And it's too late baby now It's too late Though we really did try to make it Something
It's going to be International Carol King Day at my house, and you're all invited. Now, there are calls for an urgent inquiry into Bedford Hospital following the withdrawal of trainees from the paediatric and maternity units there. Local MPs Richard Fuller and Alistair Burt say they're concerned this could have an effect. They're also worried about what this means for the future of these facilities. Well, Richard Fuller joins me now. Richard, why have these trainees been withdrawn? Well, good morning, Ian. Uh, The reason I think the trainees have been withdrawn is that over a a, a long period of time, there were some concerns about the supervision that was being provided by the consultants in that particular department of Bedford Hospital. And the hospital was looking for a solution, but ultimately the people in charge of placing those trainees at Bedford Hospital and other hospitals across the east of England felt that it was appropriate to withdraw those trainees. So trainees felt that they were being put in a position where they weren't being supervised by people who, had, who would give them more guidance? That's right, that's right. And, and I guess, you know, although it's had some very significant consequences for the paediatric department at Bedford Hospital, in this new era of openness, I think we ought to applaud the trainees for being clear about what they thought was right for patient safety. There's never been an issue... Um, in, in terms of the safety for patients at Bedford Hospital. The paediatric department's been very good. But where trainees felt that they weren't being adequately supervised, I think they were right to raise concerns. The deanery were right to work with the hospital to try and sort that out. And what's concerning to me and to my colleague Alistair Burt is, why wasn't it possible to find a solution to correct those shortfalls in clinical supervision so that paediatric services could continue at the hospital? So if the trainees flagged up that they felt there was a problem, that would imply that there, was, there were questions about patient safety. Well, I think it, might, it, it, it probably raised up concerns about the fact that, you know, trainees, uh, they're qualified doctors, they know what they're doing, but there's sometimes uh, times where they want to have a second check, and, and, and that's where they would look to have one of their supervisors come and, 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 and get in touch with them. I don't think the deanery would have placed trainees in a situation where there was uh, concerns about, about safety. This is an issue that the deanery, I believe, has had some long-running concerns about particular consultants at the hospital, about the supervision they were providing. And they said, unless you solve those problems correctly, Bedford Hospital, we're going to withdraw our trainees. The hospital hadn't solved those adequately. The trainees had been withdrawn. I'm ever so slightly confused, Richard. If the trainees felt they weren't being supervised well enough and they, they felt they needed that supervision, then the implication is that, that, that patient safety was at risk. Well, Otherwise, why would they need the supervision? Well, I think that the issue is that, obviously, that I don't mean to draw distinctions, and it's, it's probably better that you speak to somebody directly at the hospital about the details of it, but there is, I think the issue here is that trainees require and expect a certain standard of support from their supervisors, clinical supervisors. Yes. They achieve that at certain hospitals, and they don't achieve it at other. It so that's, that's, that's a major problem, though, isn't it? I think it's clearly had significant implications for the hospital because now we're in a situation the trainees are a substantial part of the staffing at our paediatrics unit at our local hospital. With the withdrawal of those trainees, the hospital therefore has to find other solutions working with other hospitals in the area to provide those paediatric services until the hospital resolves these concerns that they have with the training, uh, the supervision of training. My little boy's just been in hospital and I would be uh, devastated to find out he'd been treated or, or seen by a trainee. 
Well, I think that I think the being seen by trainees is a is a routine in in hospitals in all departments. But there are other uh, people there that have got the experience. The fact that you, it's obviously a major enough problem for you to start asking questions about it. So yeah. it, it suggests to me, and I would imagine to the listeners, that there is a question mark over safety. That otherwise, nothing would be, be being done. Well, I, I think it's fair for people to raise those concerns. And obviously we have, uh, there are uh, reviews of the hospital departments that the CQC and others do, and I believe CQC were in in December and felt that they were they were satisfied. But what is more important is that now, in, now uh, when a trainee raises some concerns, that the hospital takes action. They have, they're taking action now to try and solve that. And, uh, and I think that helps us find a solution. But I think it is right for us to ask questions about why were trainees left in this situation? Why were the, the, uh, the concerns about supervision not resolved more quickly? I mean, if it's a matter of one or two doctors not acting and doing what the trainees would expect them to do, why, didn't, why wasn't the hospital able to take more urgent action in resolving the concerns? Uh, some people will be uh, wondering if this is part of a plan to eventually close these units. Mm. Yes, I think, you know, it, it is unfortunate that this has occurred. As, as some of your listeners may know, there was a review uh, going on about a year ago uh, called Healthier Together. And that was a look at trying to move services around. Uh, and so now this occurs and people might say, well, is there some sort of relationship between? It doesn't seem that there is a relationship between, between the two. My concern is, out of uh, over the last few few weeks and months, I know there's been a move for Bedford Hospital to look to a solution to pair with another local hospital, and that that had been progressing quite well. I think, in particular, with Milton Keynes Hospital, which would provide a sort of one hospital in two locations solutions, enabling both hospitals to prosper. What does on that mean? One locations. one hospital in two locations? Well, what essentially it's like instead of having two management structures running the supervision of the services. In, in two separate locations, you, you have one management structure instead of two. So it makes it a more efficient way of delivering services. I think in your six o'clock news, you had a commentary from Sir David Nicholson about the importance for hospitals to look for ways to deliver care more efficiently. That was an effective way to continue doing it, whilst continuing to provide services in the location where people live, in Bedford and in Milton Keynes in this instance. People's ears will be pricking up at this. This is a story that we've covered quite a bit at uh, Three Counties Radio. Are you saying that the timing's a little unfortunate, but is it really? Is is there a danger that we'll eventually lose the paediatric and maternity units at Bedford Hospital to somewhere like Milton Keynes? Well, in the short term, I think it's the short term that that matters most for for mums and dads and, and, and their children. And what I'm looking to see is what is the solution that Bedford Hospital is going to have. Okay, so that's the short, short term. term. But what about what about in the long term? Because there are people who are concerned about the, the future of Bedford Hospital in the long term. Yeah, I, I don't think they need to be concerned about the future of Bedford Hospital in the long term. That I think is secure. So the I, the paediatric and maternity units will be staying at Bedford Hospital. Well, I think what you, well in the short term they are going to be finding some sort of to look out for. In what the about in the long term, term? Will they still be at Bedford Hospital? In in the in the long term, what they have to look at is solutions that ensure that they continue to provide services in Bedford that the patients want. And yes, that should include long term provision of maternity services in Bedford. Richard, final question. While we've got you on here, uh, it's been recommended uh, by the Independent uh, Commission eleven percent uh, pay increase for MPs, about seven and a half thousand pounds. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's nuts. If, w- would you turn it down? Yes. Richard, thank you very much indeed. That's Richard Fuller, uh, local MP. 08459 455 555. Are you concerned? Two questions there. 
Are you concerned about uh, the future of Bedford Hospital? And uh, Richard Fuller, MP, thinks the uh, the recommended 11% increase for MPs' salaries is nuts, and he would turn it down. What do you think? Do MPs deserve a little bit more money? 08459 455 555. Coming up to 6.30, here's the travel with Adam Glynn. Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers, Ian. Good morning. Now, we have problems on the M25 through the roadworks section already today. Anti-clockwise, there are two lanes closed off following an accident with a car and a people carrier involved between Junction 25 at Enfield and 24 at Potter's Bar. Congestion is already back to Waltham Abbey. The two lanes that are closed off are lanes 2 and 3, and all traffic's having to try and get past that one in lane 1. Through Luton, Hitchin Road, they're continuing with some resurfacing work at the junction with the A505 Vauxhall Way. That'll be for another few days. And in Dunstable, you have the long-term closure of Pointers Road. It's shut off until mid-September for major reconstruction works between the A505 and Wheatfield Road, past the Woodside Industrial Estate. Your diversion going to take you down the A505, Boscombe Road and Ports Avenue. And some mornings this week since the closure's gone in, it has looked a little bit busier on the A505 as a result. Trains and tubes are, for the moment, running without problems. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. News and sport now. Here's Catherine. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. The council and police in Luton have embarked on a five-year strategy to tackle prostitution in Hightown. There are calls for an inquiry at Bedford Hospital following the withdrawal of trainees from its paediatric and maternity unit. And the independent body which has been examining the issue of MPs' pay is recommending their salaries increase by 11% on the current level. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. England's batsmen suffered a batting collapse as the 2013 Ashes series against Australia got off to a great start. Uh, the hosts were bowled out for just 215, losing their last six wickets for 37. England then reduced the Australians to 70, 75 for four at the close of play, but former England captain Jeff Boycott has concerns over the batting. It's mental. It's not about ability. It's got to be upstairs. What is happening in the dressing room? I don't know what they're saying to each other. I don't know what the coach is saying to them. But if I was chairman of selectors, if I was chairman of England cricket, I was in, hey, 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 hang on, this is happening too often. And I'm saying something is not right when a side as good as England, they are talented and good, get themselves in trouble. In football, Manuel Pellegrini says he feels no pressure to win the Premier League title with Manchester City. Speaking in his first news conference since becoming City boss, Pellegrini also says the club can't continue with their recent transfer policy. It's impossible to be every year buying three, four, five expensive players. I think we have... we, have, uh, we need a mix with, uh, with young players, we need to work uh, exactly the same in the under-21, that the first team. And Britain's Chris Froome more than doubled his overall lead in the Tour de France as he finished a close second in the individual time trial to the World Heritage Site of Mont Saint-Michel. Froome was the only general quantification contender in the top ten and now leads by three minutes, 25 seconds overall. Mark Cavendish finished down in 163rd place and left without speaking to the media after a spectator threw urine at him. Many fans blame Cavendish for a crash on Tuesday. And that's your latest news and sport. I'll be back with more at seven o'clock. Did you see me trying to park this morning, Catherine? I was, I, did. I was having a nightmare. It was like I was trying to perform some complex docking procedure or something. I tried not to look because I know how off-putting it can be. Yeah, don't. I don't. No one look at me when I'm docking my car. But I was watching, and you were very, very bad at docking. Thank you very much. 
across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. It was a nightmare. I just could It was like docking my car. I couldn't dock this morning, however hard I tried. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up, we'll be uh, finding out what you think about the recommended increase of 11% in MPs' salaries. And we'll be talking about this cafe where the uh, the owner is a black woman and she's put a sign on the door saying, listen, if you're allergic to black people, don't come in. 08459 555555. Here are some people who have no problems docking at the slightest. The wonderful Fleetwood Mac. They've probably tried that at some point.
BBC Three Counties Radio. We mentioned this last week when it was kind of first being mooted. Not many of you agreed with it. You've had a week to think about it. I'm hoping you're, you, you may have matured slightly and your opinions may have developed. MPs, should they get more pay? My views on this, uh, 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 yes, of course they should. Of course they should. What do they get? About 65 grand at the moment, something like that. For running the country, for running your county, for running your town. I don't think that's anywhere near enough. Well, there's a, a pay rise is being suggested by an independent review of 11%. It means a backbench MP would see their annual salary go up from more than £66,000 to around £74,000 in 2015. Well, what do you think? Do you think uh, they should get more money? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. You can go to the Facebook page as uh, as well. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. The Conservative MP, Jesse Norman, says the public will never accept it. It's a disastrous idea. The idea that people who have seen no increase in their income in the last three or four years are going to stand by while the political class, indirectly or directly, helps itself is an absolute scandal of a thought. Well, IPSA, the Independent Parliamentary Standards Authority, will also announce MPs will get a less generous pension scheme and fewer expense payments. The evening meal allowance for MPs will be cut and there'll be restrictions to claims for taxi fares. There'll also be lower resettlement grants for MPs who lose their seats. The Liberal Democrat MP Duncan Hames doesn't think all of the current expenses payments are justifiable. I already don't take parts of the package available to MPs because some of the expense arrangements on offer I, I don't feel comfortable taking. I think each in, each MP makes their own decisions at, at the time. But I think we have proven over the years that the worst group of people to decide this is MPs themselves so we really should leave it to an independent decision. Earlier on in this show I was joined by MP for Bedford Richard Fuller. This was his verdict that he gave me on the potential pay rise. I think it's nuts. If, w- would you turn it down? Yes. We should have just said that clip. I think it's nuts. In fact, I like that on a hotkey, please. Uh, our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been out and about this morning. Morning, Justin. Hello, Ian. Uh, Richard Fuller's comments, fantastic nuts, but um, he's actually saying, of course, that he would turn that down. How yeah. many other MPs do you think would turn down that salary increase of 11%? That's well, a lot of money. We asked another MP last week who said that she would, uh, would turn it down. It would be interesting to find an MP who'd say, well, no, actually, I will take it, thank you very much. I think I deserve it. And I think, I think they deserve more money. Well, I think a decent MP, somebody who's up from, what, five o'clock in the morning, working till 11 o'clock at night, if they are a really good MP, I would probably agree with you. Yes, £74,000, they are worth that amount of money. If they worked in the commercial sector, and they worked those long hours, and they had that responsibility, they would be on double that, wouldn't they, of course? They would be. Now, you've been out and about asking people what they think on this, Justin. What have people been saying? Yeah, I mean, Lou's been getting some early reaction. People are not happy, Ian. Uh, This is what people have had to say. Well, Bill, we're talking about this increase. It's an 11% increase going up to £74,000. As a taxpayer yourself, what's your thoughts on that? Well, it's, it's, it's disgusting, really. I mean, why can't they just have the same as everybody else, the rate of inflation? Mm. I mean, we don't, we don't get uh, a chance to get as much as that. I mean, do you think MPs are worth £74,000 anyway? No, not really, no. Um, they are worth... A fair bit, I must admit, but it's it's not so much the the basic salary they get; it's, it's all the perks they get. Mm. I mean, travelling expenses, second home. Um, so, so you think by the expenses, by the increase, by the salary being 
quite high in your opinion, that puts them out of touch with you, uh, the everyday man on the street. Of course it does, yes. Yeah, it certainly does. I mean, if I was to go and ask for expenses, sort of like getting a bus to work, they'd laugh at me. Peter, what's your thoughts on this salary increase, taking MPs' wages up to £74,000 a year? Well, it's just absolutely scandalous for what they do for it. And what we get out of it, we get nothing out of it. Look at the state of Luton now. So you don't think you get good value at all? No, no, no. The only time you ever see them is when they look at your vote. So what do you think would be a reasonable salary for MPs to get paid in this country? Probably about 30. 30,000? Yeah, Mm. plenty. When every MP we speak to says they work incredibly hard, but but you still think £30,000? I've never seen sweat running off of any of them. Well, very simply... But the question to you, £74,000, is that way too much for an MP to be getting paid? Yeah, definitely. Can you tell us why? Because they're not doing enough for the country. So what do you think would be a reasonable salary for an MP? I think they should work by the hour. Work by the hour? Yeah. Okay. See how much actually input they do put in. I mean, on average, though, what do you think every year would be a reasonable figure for them to be earning? I'd say around 40 to 45. Certainly not 74. No. The thing is, Justin, the gentleman there saying, well, we don't get anything for our money anyway, what do they do? They run the country. <laughs> you tr- you go and... Listen, we have it easy. We do a ridiculous job where you get mm. to drive around in a van, yeah. I get to sit in a, in a studio and, and press buttons and talk. Easy. In cream linen trousers. It, it, it's, yes. Exactly. I, I was wearing cream yeah, linen the other day. Nice. Uh, it, it's an easy job. You, listen, you try running the country. I couldn't do it. Well, it's a responsibility. Again, you'll often hear people say, well, I've written to my local MP. They never got back. You know, let's be fair for a second here. They must get thousands upon thousands of letters every single year. They simply can't answer every one, can they? No, of course they can't. It's it's a ridiculously difficult job. And look, listen, the argument is, well, hang on a minute, everyone else should get pay. Of course everyone should get a pay rise. I should get a pay rise. You perhaps shouldn't. Nurses should get a pay rise. Uh, firemen should get a pay rise. But it, it, it doesn't work like that. The money isn't there. But I do think that MPs should earn a little bit more. It's going to cut down on their expenses. Their pensions are going to be changed slightly. So, it's it, you know, it, it makes perfect sense to me. But Justin. people will look at the facts and they'll say it's going up to £74,000 a year. And, you know, at this moment in time, whenever I go out into the streets and talk to people about their local MPs, at the back of their mind, they're all thinking about the expenses scandal, which wasn't that long ago, which for a lot of people with this increase, uh, the 11% increase just sits very uncomfortably with them. What do you think, dear listener? 08459 555 Justin, uh, two things. If you yeah. do if you do find uh, a uh, MOP, a member of the public, who thinks MPs deserve uh, a pay rise, let me know. Should, and yeah. also, have you seen the front page of The Sun this morning? Yes, horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. It's a picture of Paul Gascoigne. Gaza, a plea to landlords, shopkeepers and his fans, don't give this man drink. It's uh, a cut-out page and display. So you're meant to keep this, if you run a, uh, a, an off-licence, you're meant to keep this stuck up behind the counter or in a bar and stuff like that. I think this is awful. I think Mm. this is exploiting a man who is very, very ill who could die very soon. Yeah. Let's be honest, if he keeps on going the way he's going, he ain't going to be around for much longer. And the reason the Sun are doing this, it's not because they are genuinely concerned about Paul Gascoigne. They're doing it to sell newspapers. It's just so tacking. As somebody who grew up watching Paul Gascoigne, absolute genius, and to see this this morning, cut it out. It's just so, so terrible. What this man needs right now is help. Nobody wants to see Paul Gascoigne die, because in this country, he is still 
still an absolute icon and when you see a front page like this when I woke up this morning when I saw it as somebody who, who doesn't want to see him pass on anytime soon I just thought that is a complete and utter load of rubbish Can you get a copy of this front page son and, uh, uh, yeah. and uh, take I'll it around it with and, me right now. Uh, Fantastic Take it around see what people think Justin please Thanks, See you later on 08459 455 555 If you've seen that front page <clears throat> I, t- I, t- I think it's terrible and if anyone who know if you know people who have suffered with alcoholism you know that this is this ain't going to help this isn't going to sort it out if you've got a story about uh, maybe you or a, a relative or a friend struggling with booze 08459 455555 646 let's get the travel news now here's adam travel news for beds hearts and bugs bbc 3 counties radio at the moment, there are problems on the M25. Anti-clockwise, it is queuing after an accident a little earlier this morning. That's been moved to the hard shoulder reasonably quickly, though. It's out of the way now between Enfield at Junction 25 and Potter's Bar at Junction 24. There is congestion, though, back to Waltham Abbey, despite the fact that all lanes have reopened. And police did have to hold all the traffic for a short time while emergency services moved those vehicles off the main carriageway. The A418 through Wingrave, partially blocked by roadworks. This is between the Wingrave Crossroads and Rosham. Looking at the Great Cambridge Road in Hoddesdon, they're still doing works for another week or so at the junction with the A10, New River Arms roundabout. And as you drive in toward London, there's already a big patch of slow-moving traffic on the A1 through Boreham Wood from Stirling Corner toward Apex Corner. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. 6.47, it's Thursday the 11th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. There are calls for an urgent inquiry into Bedford Hospital following the withdrawal of trainees from its paediatric and maternity units. The council and police in Luton have embarked on a five-year strategy to tackle prostitution in Hightown. In sport, England fought back well on day one of the first Ashes test after suffering a uh, batting collapse to be bowled out for just 215. Coming up, figures show that women are less likely to be jailed by magistrates in Hertfordshire compared with other parts of the country. Find out more, but before that, let's get the latest weather. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Or not, I can see Kelly Betts furiously dialing up the weather service to find out what's going to be happening. Not saying anything, but this will be the last time Kelly Betts works on this radio show. She's panicking. She's rubbing her forehead. Is it coming? Three, two... Hello! That was exciting. That was you had one second, Elizabeth, before you were you were dismissed. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Not your fault. <laughs> Come on. Where were you okay. yesterday? I, I, you walked past me on Tuesday. No. Yes, no. Elizabeth Rosini, you walked past me on Tuesday Sorry. and you blanked me. No, I'd never blank you. You did. Right? I was blanked. Oh, I'm sorry. How oh, I was very tired. Yeah, then. you were bouncing oh. around like a skittish kitten. But I do, but I do in the morning. But then by the time I get to the afternoon, I have that mm. terrible slump. 
and then it's time for me to go home. So, I'm so sorry. So you had a very nice slump. Anyway, Elizabeth, yeah. let's see what you've got. <laughs> well, today, it's a cooler start to the day. It's also a cloudier start, but that cloud is going to thin and break. It's going to clear across parts of Buckinghamshire first, so turning sunny here, I think, by the time we get into the late morning, first part of the afternoon at least. Um, and that cloud thinning and breaking just about everywhere else as well to leave us with a sunny afternoon. A very pleasant day again. Just temperatures a touch cooler than they have been recently. We're probably looking at um, between 21 and perhaps as high as 23, even 24 degrees Celsius, a light to moderate northeasterly breeze. Overnight tonight, more clouds spreading in from the east. Again, temperatures on a par with how they were last night, down to between 10 and perhaps 12 or 13 degrees. And then for tomorrow, again, a cloudy start to the day, feeling warmer tomorrow. The sunshine's going to be a bit slower to emerge, but by the time it does, it's going to be feeling very, uh, very hot, I think, by the end of the day. And then the weekend, hot and humid, particularly on Saturday. And we do run the risk of catching perhaps one or two isolated thunderstorms over the course of the weekend, particularly on Sunday morning, that risk. So if you've got something planned for then, then take your kagool, you know, because you might catch one. That's the forecast. I hope I catch one. I like a good thunderstorm. So do I. Exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I'll blank you in a thunderstorm. Thank you very much. All I knew this morning when I woke is I know something now, know something now I didn't before. I've seen since 18 hours ago There's green eyes and freckles and your smile In the back of my mind making me feel right I just want to know, you better know You better know, you better now I just want to know, you better know You better know, you better now I just want to know, you better know You better know, you better now I just want to know
Think of someone in court. How often does a sentence actually mean time behind bars? Well, recent figures show that women are less likely to be jailed by magistrates in Hertfordshire compared with other parts of the country. Of all the cases heard in magistrates' courts in Hertfordshire in 2011, just 0.8% led to custodial sentences. Well, Andrew Nielsen is from the Howard League for Penal Reform, which compiled the data and joins me now. Morning, Andrew. Morning. Why are women less likely to be given custodial sentences in Hertfordshire? Well, I think um, it's worth stressing, of course, we're talking about the magistrates' courts here, which deal with the lower end of offending. So the vast majority of people going before magistrates will receive things like fines or community sentences, and then in some cases, short prison sentences, which is the ultimate sanction a magistrate can give. Um, And uh, women in particular, so, you know, already we're talking about people committing crimes which are, you know, um, relatively minor. And then amongst women, we are looking at um, people who tend to very much commit non-serious, non-violent offences. So straight away, that's one reason why the figure is as low as it is. But I think in Hertfordshire in particular, it's much lower than national average. And I suspect that's because sentences are particularly confident that there is good community provision in the area for women so they are confident they can send them on community sentences and that that, that's going to work how does hertfordshire compare with other areas well i mean um it's um as as you said it's it's under one percent um there are um there are some areas which um approach almost three percent in england and wales so um quite considerably um more women by proportion going to jail. The only word of caution I would put on that is that we, fortunately, there are not that many women going before the courts. And, of course, that means that you don't need that many cases to start to make your percentage look a lot bigger than it, than, 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 than another area. Can it be the case that women who find themselves in court actually often need a lot of support themselves? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I mean t- women, when they tend to commit crimes... that. When you actually start to look into it, you often find that women are, in fact, the victims of crime themselves. Many of the women before the courts will be things like the victims' domestic abuse or, or will have been pimped out. Um, and, and so the, the community sentence is really the best option in, in, in that um, scenario. And we know that from the reoffending rates. I mean, the reoffending rate for a short prison sentence is almost two-thirds. It's about half of that for a community sentence. Um, and that's because community sentences, all the money is going into actually trying to tackle whatever the issue is. So if it's to do with drugs or alcohol and treatment, mental health, you can get support. If it's to do with um, 
um, problems with your finances, then you know the woman is shoplifting, then they can they can try and sort that out. Um, by comparison, a, a prison sentence, even a few weeks, is enough for a woman to potentially lose her children to the care system if she's got kids, uh, lose her home, lose her job, um, and yet she's going to spend a few weeks in a cell and somehow miraculously we're hoping that that will turn her life around and sadly it doesn't. Andrew Nielsen from the Howard League for Penal Reform, thank you. They've compiled the data showing that women are less likely to be given a custodial sentence by magistrates in Hertfordshire compared with other areas. We did contact the Magistrates Association for a response. They wouldn't give us an interview, but in a statement they said that the recent research by the Howard League was very selective. They also added that the purposes of sentences were set out in statute, and magistrates consider all options when reaching any sentence. 08459 455 555, page uh, 13 of the Express. It's in a couple of other newspapers as well. I had to put I'm black warning on my cafe door. A cafe owner fed up with customers walking out because she is black has put up a sign warning them of her colour. If you go to the Facebook page, facebook.com, forward slash BBC 3CR you can have a look at that sign I was surprised, people actually walk out of her cafe because she's black really? see I'm, I work in the kind of you know, the slightly poncy media where hey, every, everything's fine man, get on and do what you want to do am I living in a bubble? is Britain still racist? Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still very slow on the M25. There are queues anti-clockwise after the accident earlier this morning between Enfield at Junction 25 and Potter's Bar at Junction 24. The accident has been moved over to the hard shoulder, but congestion still back to Waltham Abbey. And it's looking slow further around the M25 as well as you make your way around anti-clockwise from the M1 toward Kings Langley and Maple Cross through to the M40. There are short delays on the A1 into London, Boreham Wood, southbound on the A1 from Stirling Corner toward Mill Hill Circus. Traffic's looking pretty slow on the cameras around there. Roadworks don't seem to be causing any delays yet this morning. Of course, we have got that long-term closure now in Dunstable of Pointers Road. It's closed for reconstruction works between the A505 and Wheatfield Road, the Woodside Industrial Estate. The diversion takes you along the A505, Boscombe Road and Ports Avenue. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. Also, have a look at the front page of The Sun. I think it's in pretty poor taste. It's a cut-out and display picture of Paul Gascoigne saying, don't give him a drink. Well, that's not going to help him, is it? On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Seven o'clock, I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines, prostitution crackdown begins in Luton, concerns over Bedford Hospital's staffing levels and MPs vow to fight the 11% pay rise. BBC Three Counties Radio. The council and police in Luton have embarked on a five-year strategy to tackle prostitution in Hightown. Patrols will target curb crawling in the area for the rest of this month. They'll also have the power to enforce a dispersal order, as Chief Superintendent Mark Turner explains. Essentially, that dispersal order is aimed around antisocial behaviour, so if groups of two or more people are committing antisocial behaviour gives the police power to move those people on. If the people don't give the uh, don't move on, it gives the police further powers to take enforcement action around that. 
Clinical trainees have been withdrawn from Bedford Hospital's paediatric and maternity units after complaints about the levels of supervision available. Trainees were concerned that the consultants were not able to offer an adequate level of support and guidance. The Conservative MP for Bedford in Kempston, Richard Fuller, says that while there's no suggestion patients were ever at risk, there are still serious implications for the hospital. Now we're in a situation the trainees are a substantial part of the staffing at our paediatrics unit at our local hospital. With the withdrawal of those trainees... The hospital therefore has to find other solutions working with other hospitals in the area to provide those paediatric services until the hospital resolves these concerns that they have with the training, uh, the supervision of training. Police are trying to find a seven-month pregnant woman from Boreham Wood who's gone missing. 32-year-old Vanessa Turner was last seen on June the 30th at her home in Hillside Avenue. She's white with curly brown shoulder-length hair and was last seen wearing a dark coat, multicoloured trousers and white trainers. Milton Keynes Council's given the official go-ahead for 28,000 new homes over the next 12 years. The authority predicts a further 42,000 jobs for the area over the same period. It's also suggesting the town will expand into areas to the southeast around the village of Wavenden, as well as towards areas already adopted under previous plans. The independent body, which has been examining the issue of MPs' pay, is recommending their salaries increase by 11% on the current level. The rise, which would mean MPs get £74,000 a year, would come into effect in 2015. Pensions and allowances would be cut. MPs are not supposed to interfere with the decisions of the Independent Parliamentary Standards Authority, which has set the figure. But the Labour MP John Mann said a way had to be found to prevent the pay rise. To me it's inconceivable that this level of increase totally out of kilter with the rest of the public sector and the private sector. MPs cannot be seen to be coining it in with this kind of increase. So however it's dealt with, it needs to be dealt with, but we can't have this. In sport, the 2013 Ashes series between Australia and England got off to a great start yesterday with 14 wickets falling at Trent Bridge on day one. England were bowled out for just 215 before reducing the Australians to 75 for four in the last session of the day. The weather, another fine and sunny day ahead of us with a top temperature of 23 degrees Celsius, that's 73 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots to talk about this morning. Lots to get your opinion on. It's a bit of a packed show. So uh, get your fingers on the dial. Do they have dials phones anymore? No, of course they don't. My little boy was amazed uh, when I was trying to explain to him the concept of a house phone the other day. We got a house phone, it rang, and he got really scared. What's that noise? It's the telephone. It doesn't sound like a telephone. It's the house phone. No one really calls it. House phone? What's that? I tried to tell him that phones used to be connected to houses and you couldn't take them anywhere. He thought that was hilarious. Anyway... Should MPs get more pay? They're being offered an 11% pay rise, about £7,500 a year. What do you think? I think it makes perfect sense. Of course they deserve more pay. 08459 455 555. A cafe owner who says people walk out as soon as they see she is black has posted a sign on her the, the window of her store saying, I'm black. If that upsets you, don't come in. Well... I was surprised that, that, that people would walk out because of her colour. Is Britain still racist? And the front page of The Sun. I think it's a little bit tasteless. Picture of Paul Gascoigne saying, don't give this man a drink, and it's a cutout and display. They're not doing it because they're concerned about Gascoigne. They're doing it to sell newspapers. Well, if you've uh, ever had um, 
alcohol problems with either yourself or in your family, is something like this really going to help him? Or is it in bad taste? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. And give us a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. A five-year strategy has begun to tackle the problem of prostitution in the Hightown area of Luton. Throughout the rest of this month, police say they'll be out in force carrying out patrols to target curb crawlers. Well, reporter Tony Fisher joins me in the studio. Tony, was there a patrol carried out last night? Is that right? Yes, there was, Ian. Uh, one of many which will be carried out, uh, as I say, throughout July. Um, last night they uh, were carrying out patrols to target specific areas where intelligence has uh, led police to believe that uh, uh, the on Sex, sex, on-street sex trade's been carried out. Uh, areas such as Frederick Street, uh, Wenlock Street, Albion Court, Wardown Park and Taylor Street Car Park. Um, the officer in charge of the operation last night uh, says the sex workers cause alarm, distress and intimidation to local residents. Working predominantly on Old Bedford Road, the street workers are clearly seen by members of the public and local residents to be loitering on street corners in these areas and are seen being picked up by men in vehicles uh, which is substantiated by the use of the town uh, council CCTV logs. The men who pick up these sex workers are curb crawling which is a criminal offence. They are paying for sex at locations close by in residential areas such as car parks and sometimes in daylight hours. This has been witnessed by residents and members of the public which causes feelings of alarm, distress and intimidation. Did the police come across any sex workers? Uh, yes, police had reports of a sex worker in Old Bedford Road last night. Um, our reporter, Neil Bradford, was uh, along with the police uh, recording uh, what was going on. Um, he spoke to her. She says, ideally, she, she, she would not want to be working as a prostitute. Uh, she's been one for 12 years, she says, uh, but she feels she has no choice. I started working because... Um I'm on drugs. I've been on drugs since I was 15. I'm 38, and I used to do crime, like shoplifting. I was always in prison. But turning to prostitution, even though it's still a crime, I, um, I wasn't going into prison for it because you don't really get a prison sentence for it, you know? It's more dangerous, but it was the only option that I had to keep me out of prison because of my criminal records, I couldn't get a job people don't seem to understand. I forgot myself of two types of drugs now and I'm on a programme but I still got to live. It's the only way I know how to make my money. The main purpose of last night's patrol was to target curb crawlers, wasn't it? Did, did the police find any? Uh, yes, Ian. They found a man and a woman together in the back of the car. Let's just listen to what happened next. What's going to happen now? Because I know who is she? Uh, Priya, I Yeah, and how do you know her? Uh, you just spoke a few times. Uh, where did you meet her tonight? Uh, just here. Yeah. And why did you come round and why are you sitting in the back of the car with her? I was just chatting to her. Because she's going to tell me exactly why you've been here. Okay. Okay, so you can be honest with me. Uh, and we Listen. Yeah. I'm going to, you can be honest. I'll give you two choices here. Okay, One, you can be arrested yeah. for picking up a prostitute. Okay. Or two, you can be honest with me and we'll put you in the back of the car and we'll interview you in the back of the car and that's the end of the matter. Okay, I'll be honest with you. That's it. That's it. That's it. Right, you're going to sit with me and you're going to tell me everything. Okay. okay. I'll, um, I'll grab a statement. Just, we've caught a male and female. 
It sounds very uncomfortable. Imagine being caught in that situation. It does sound awkward. What happened next? Well, let's let's just have a listen to this, Ian. This is where the police explains the whole procedure about what happens to this particular gentleman. So we've just been um, to this um, car park in Studley Road. CCTV uh, picked up a known sex worker on CCTV and go down that road. Unfortunately, there is no CCTV down there. But when we've got there, we found um, her in the back of a car with a client... Um, She's been interviewed under caution and uh, basically admitted that she's been paid £20 um, to give him oral sex and he's been cautioned and interviewed now and being dealt with in the back of the police car and he's admitted the same um, arrangement was made. Uh, So he'll be given an appointment now to come back to uh, the police station and in the meantime a decision will be made about whether he gets charged or whether he gets cautioned for the offence. And um, what we've just had heard over the radio that um, another sex worker has been picked up, um, and then now we're now heading towards Villa Road to see if we can, um, if if any sort of business has taken place, um, and then that will be dealt with dealt with in the same way that um, we just dealt with the previous job. So we'll see what happens. So these patrols are going to continue, are they? Uh, that's right. There was uh, our reporter Neil Bradford out there on the streets with the police last night. Another night in High Town, Ian. These patrols uh, will continue throughout July. Police insist they have enough resources and funding uh, to pursue these patrols throughout the whole of July uh, to target curb crawlers in the High Town area. And this is called Operation Turtle. Yes, police do come up with funny names for operations, don't they? Is there is there a department where <laughs> they go, right, OK, guys, we've got a new operation. It's going to be targeting uh, curb crawlers. What names have you got how no, does that work no doubt there must be a uh, a reason for operation turtle i'm, I'm not going to surmise what it might be but uh no doubt in their in their in their minds there is a there is a reason somewhere. tony fisher thank you very much i think it's nuts oh <laughs> i didn't mean to play that but i agree i think it's nuts as well call 08459 455 555 bbc three counties radio Ah, oh dear, <laughs> completely unintentional, but vaguely appropriate. Uh, now, there's um, a story that's in some of the papers. A cafe owner says she's so fed up with uh, dealing with apparently racist customers that she's put up a sign warning them that she's black. Martha Rene Collet claims people have walked out after seeing the colour of her skin. She's now put a sign up on the door of the Yeenan Cafe in Osset, which reads, Attention, everyone, be aware, I'm a black woman and always will be. If you're allergic to black people, don't come in. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can, uh, you can see it now. Well, have you experienced or seen racism like this in Britain? Justin Dealey has been uh, out finding out what people think. Justin, I-, I live in the very kind of safe media world where, you know, everyone's treated pretty much equally, but mm. I-, I was surprised that-, that someone would have to resort to this. I mean, it's shocking, isn't it? When you look at this sign, it's like going back to 1972. Well, when was the last time you saw a sign like this? Attention, everyone be aware, I'm a black woman yep. and always will be. If you are allergic to black people, don't come in. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. What I did yesterday, in, I actually she took this sign onto the streets of Luton and I've been talking to black members of the community and I asked them for their reaction about this sign. I'm not sure if it's, a, if, if it's the best way of going around here but I do, we don't know what she's been through to make her put that there but I wouldn't say it's the, exactly the, the best way to go around it. For me it's a little bit little bit dis, dis, distasteful but I don't know I don't know what trial and tribulation she's been through so mm. it could be anything that's that's the spark, sparked her off to want to put her story across that way or make, make a make, you know make a comment in that in that light of manner. To me 
I'm a black woman and you know really and truly looking at that I think well you're asking for problems mm. you're bringing an issue that is not going to be sorted out by you know that is just really shocking <laughs> as a black woman yeah. myself that's shocking are you still experiencing some form of racism even now yeah I do yeah I've had name calling just yesterday I had somebody shout out you know a blackie yeah. How does that make you feel as a human being when somebody shouts that at you, even now? Mm. I find that hard to believe, but yeah. if it is still happening, how does it make you feel? I just thought, wow, really? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> it's good that you can laugh about it. Yeah, you know, and I thought, well, come on now, this is, this is just not on. But I thought, you know, I got to work and I sort of like said, said what happened. And I laughed, you know, and we, we all sort of laughed. But they were shocked as well. And these are white colleagues and they were all shocked. It wouldn't make me feel bad. It's just her opinion, isn't it? I mean, do you still experience racism now, even in the year 2013? Of course. I've, I've been stopped so many times and I've been told it's not racism. But then I've been stopped from driving because it is about police. I've been stopped from driving in my right speed, um, right distance. But they felt like they had to stop me for whatever reason. And you think that's because you're black? No, I wouldn't say I think. I, I, I actually know it is because it's a um, stereotype. And I'm embarrassed that my son now is he's got to go through that as well trevor in hatfield's on the line morning trevor morning trevor what, what do you make of this uh, th- this sign and this uh, apparent racism still in britain well i, I actually read they read the headline yesterday on a on a news app but it was it was worded different if you're allergic to black people don't come in and I, when i first read it i thought well, what are they serving you know, and then when i read the rest of the story i was like is this still going on you know, especially with a retail outlet. You know? Here's the whole thing. Attention. Everyone be aware, I am a black woman and always will be. If you are allergic to black people, don't come in. But if you prefer quality, wholesome meals in a pleasant and clean environment, come in. I don't bite. I do That's find it incredible that, she, uh, that she's had to resort to that. But I, I'm guessing she feels there is a point. Have you seen, I, I don't know if you're black or white, Trevor, but have you seen sort of blatant racism in 2013? Um, not, not really. Not lately. Not lately, I haven't. I mean, it does go on. You do see it in, in places, but, I mean, it's 2013. It's not the 60s, you know? It's not like 60s America. That's the sort of signs they were putting up to keep black people out. And it's... Uh you don't expect to see that sort of thing nowadays, do you? Trevor, thank you very much. A couple of comments on uh, Facebook. Gary says, a white person would end up in court if they put a sign up saying, I'm a white woman. Trudy says, owned all those ignorant idiots. Go, Martha Rene, who's the lady who's put this sign up. And Lorraine says, well, I can't believe this poor lady had to do this. I didn't know we still lived in a country that judged you because of your skin colour. Poor cow, he's only trying to run a business. <laughs> Uh, thank you for that. 08459 455 555 715. Let's get the travel news now with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Problems in Watford. Dalton Way has been closed because of an accident at the junction with the Lower High Street, the A411. It means that the 142 and 258 buses are having to go on diversion around that to avoid the closure. The M25 anti-clockwise still queuing after the accident earlier between Enfield and Potter's Bar. The congestion now back beyond the M11, so queues tailing right back through Essex. Anti-clockwise as you continue round from the M1 to the A41, there's a short delay, and it stop-start traffic from Chorleywood down to the M40. If you're heading toward London, the A1 through Borehamwood, looking slow, Stirling Corner toward Mill Hill Circus on the cameras. Speed sensors aren't picking up any other major issues. For the moment, the M1 and the A1M are moving pretty well and there are no train or tube problems. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much Adam. 
Right, 7.16, it's Thursday the 11th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Today sees the launch of a five-year plan to tackle prostitution and curb crawling in Luton's Hightown. Clinical trainees have been withdrawn from Bedford Hospital's paediatric and maternity units after complaints about the level of supervision available. In sport, uh, day one of the Ashes series, England were bowled out for just 215 before reducing the Australians to 75 for four at close of play. Is there anybody that can explain the scoring system in cricket to me? I have never been able to get my head around it in the slightest. Coming up, we'll be talking uh, more about the calls for an urgent inquiry into Bedford Hospital. If you want to take part in the discussion, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday morning, questions are asked. What should the government do next to stop people smoking? Who do you blame for our failing high streets? Opinions are formed. There is no place in a civilised society for people like that. They should get real. Part of me says it is wrong. And you get to have your say. I think the whole thing is absolute garbage, frankly. Join in with the big phone-in from Nine. Not everyone will agree. What an interesting conversation. The JVS Show. Weekday mornings from Nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. There are calls for an urgent inquiry into Bedford Hospital following the withdrawal of trainees from the paediatric and maternity units. Local MPs Richard Fuller and Alistair Burt say they're concerned this could have an effect on future facilities at the hospital. In a statement from the Bedford Hospital Trust, it said the decision was taken after trainee doctors expressed concerns about inadequate levels of senior clinical supervision. They, along with the General Medical Council, and they recognised it is an unacceptable risk to patient safety. Hmm? Earlier on, I spoke to Bedford MP Richard Fuller and asked him about patient safety. He didn't seem to think it had been an issue. I think it's fair for people to raise those concerns. And obviously we have, uh, there are uh, reviews of the hospital departments that the CQC and others do, and I believe CQC were in in December and felt that they were, they were satisfied. But what is more important is that now, in, now uh, when a trainee raises some concerns, that the hospital takes action. They have, they're taking action now to try and solve that. And, uh, and I think that helps us find a solution. But I think it is right for us to ask questions about why were trainees left in this situation? Why were the, the, uh, the concerns about supervision not resolved more quickly? I mean, if it's a matter of one or two doctors not acting and doing what the trainees would expect them to do, why, didn't, why wasn't the hospital able to take more urgent action in resolving the concerns? I'm joined now by Dr Barry Monk, who used to work at Bedford Hospital. He was behind a campaign to save the trust a few years ago when its future was uncertain. Morning, Barry. What, what do you make of this? Well, I have no inside knowledge. I think that's the first thing to say. I haven't worked at Bedford Hospital for about 18 months. Um, but this, is, this does, on the face of it, sound terribly, terribly serious because uh, I've never, in 38 years as a doctor, heard of the General Medical Council um, just suddenly pulling out um, training recognition for junior hospital doctors and that does imply that there was something, not only something serious going on, but they didn't seem to to see that there was any sign of action in remedying the issues. Um, So how would this have been raised, Barry? Trainee doctors uh, felt they they weren't being supervised enough. That doesn't sound great, does it? It doesn't, the whole point is that, that trainee doctors all over the country, uh, their posts are regularly inspected and people talk to them. 
And in, in all over the country, they raise issues of different types, um, and uh, which can be of, of, at all sorts of levels. Um, and usually the hospital get, then gets a letter saying it, such and such an issue has been raised, could this possibly be attended to? So to have reached a situation where they turn around, the GMC turns around and says, something's happened and it appears so serious that we're going to take away these training posts, um, it does imply something much more serious than the hospital has let, let on. And of course, um, although these are training posts, these are qualified doctors and the departments can't run without them being there. So there's all sorts of knock-on impacts. If there's no pediatrics or no 24-hour-a-day pediatric uh, service, then what does that say about accident and emergency? Um, what does that say about other departments that uh, deal with children, ear, nose and throat, for example? So there's a lot to be answered. The, the implication I've picked up from this, and tell me if I'm wrong and being over-sensationalist, is that if these trainee doctors, who are qualified but they're still trainee doctors, felt they weren't supervised well enough, that potentially there, there, there could have been a risk to, to patient health and safety? Well, a very serious risk, because you're, you're placing a junior doctor perhaps in a situation where they're uh, dealing with... Um, a situation that they feel they're not sufficiently experienced to manage adequately. And um, I'm not a paediatrician, but I'm, I'm, I'm well enough aware that in paediatrics and, and in obstetrics, things can go wrong pretty quickly. Uh, and um, that may well be part of the issue. Do you think that there's still an underlying plan to close the hospital? Well, one does wonder what's going on, because if if um, if there's no paediatrics, if there's no obstetrics, then they, you know they've got a great big white elephant in the signet wing that was only built a few, built a few years ago, which is a fabulous physical facility. Um, and but it does call into question how how the action emergency department could run. And, and other uh, major departments in the hospital. We were speaking to uh, Richard Fuller, a local MP, earlier on in the show, and he was saying that the, the, the kind of the long-term plan uh, is for, for Bedford Hospital to team up even more with Milton Keynes Hospital, and there is a connect, strong connection between those two. Well, um, Milton, we had the chief executive of, um, of Bedford who moved directly to Milton Keynes, Um so he, he knows what's, what's going on. And uh, I think there are areas in which hospitals nowadays do have to work in teams and to amalgamate. Not every hospital in the future will be able to have every single service. But I think there needs to be a lot more planning, and if I may say so, a lot more um, engagement of the public so people know what is happening. Um, and that, that would be very nice. And I think probably for the medical staff at the hospital, I'm no longer one of them, uh, but uh, for my colleagues to know, uh, well, well, my former colleagues, to know what is actually happening rather than hearing things through a press release. Dr Barry Monk, who used to work at Bedford Hospital, thank you very much uh, indeed. We have a statement from Bedford Hospital. Uh, oh, it's very long. Let's let's pick and choose some bits and pieces. Bedford Hospital NHS Trust will announce changes to how some of its children's services are delivered as soon as possible. The Trust is currently working with partners across the region to decide how the local health economy will safely manage the continuing delivery of children's services. Uh, currently planned paediatric appointments and clinics are going ahead as normal. This includes outpatient clinic appointments and planned procedures or day surgery. Maternity and neonatal services are unaffected and are running as normal 
normal as our adult services. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. So MPs, should they get more pay? They're being offered an 11% pay rise. The Independent Parliamentary Standards Authority is recommending a salary of around £74,000. £7,500 more than they get at the moment. But it'll only take effect after the next election. And it's offset by a cut in their expenses and their pensions. Joined now by our political correspondent, Paul Rowley. Uh, Paul, what are MPs saying about this? Try not to say too much, to be honest with you, Ian. They're a bit, well, more than a bit, they're rather embarrassed at, at a time when the government is telling workers in the public sector that their pay is being frozen, or at the most it's being capped at 1%, which effectively is a pay cut after inflation, that they're now being offered this double-digit increase. To be fair, it's not their fault. They got so much flack four years, four years ago in that scandal over their expenses that responsibility was handed over to this independent body, the Parliamentary Standards Authority, to set their level of expenses, their allowances, and now their salary. So it's not our MPs, Ian, doing a, an Oliver Twist, as it were, and asking for more. It's this outside body that says they're, they're worth more. Can the MPs stop this happening if they don't want this pay rise? It's a good question. As far as I can see, there's no mechanism for for them to block it because there's no vote anymore. That was the whole point of changing the system. In the old days, uh, they had this rather unseemly process where they were voting through their own pay rises. Uh, So, you know, it's difficult to see how they can stop it. But there is a trade-off. Their rather generous pension entitlements will be reduced. Instead of getting a, a final salary scheme, as it's called, in future... It's going to be based on a career average. Now, that's a change that many of our listeners will recognise because it's pretty widespread these days in both the public and the private sectors. In addition, what's called their resettlement grants will go. Uh, that's a kind of highbrow way of saying it's a, a golden goodbye. If you lose your seat, you get between uh, three months or six months of your of your. Salary. Is that true? I never knew that. Yeah. So if you get voted out, you still get a few quid. Yeah, it's a bit of a cushion because, uh, you know, I can tell you this, you know, you think that, well, if you were an MP, you should be uh, you should be all right. But I tell you, there is nothing as X as an ex MP. I remember one who won a on, won a by election in 1990 and effectively signalled the end of Margaret Thatcher. He was a school teacher. He was a head of department. Uh, he was the national news when the Liberal Democrats won in Ribble Valley in Lancashire. Uh, and at the end of it, he lost his seat at the following election. 18 months later, and went back to his old school and said, "Well, I'm sorry, <laughs> somebody's got your job. Yeah. You can be a supply teacher." So you know, it, it, it's 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 something that you can kind of understand in a way. It's a bit of a severance deal. Oh, if only, if only someone could make Lembit Opic disappear like that, wouldn't that be? <laughs> no, it's cruel. Uh, at a time of austerity cuts, uh, everyone, you know, having pay freezes or pay decreases, some might argue this looks a little hypocritical. Yeah, I mean, as I say, it's not their fault, as it were. That's the, the, the real problem here. The only, I suppose, the only saving grace is it's not going to kick in until after the next election, so a large number of existing MPs may not get it because... Uh, they're going to they're gonna be kicked out and they won't get their resettlement grants, as it were. Uh, now, this year, they are getting an extra 1%, so that's in line with many, certainly in the public sector, and it's going to be the same next year. For the previous two years, that's the first two years of this parliament after the election, their salaries were frozen. So the argument in favour of them getting this increase, and at the moment they're on 66,396 quid. If you're a minister, you get more. If you're a cabinet minister, you get double, uh, is that... Uh, 
bit they've they've lagged behind between what are seen as comparable professions, be they head teachers, senior police officers, or dare I say, uh, even some journalists, uh, maybe <coughs> even some dare I say BBC executives. <coughs> after what we heard yesterday, and it wasn't it wasn't yesterday exciting. Finally, it, this is this is going to happen, is it, Paul? Well, it looks as though it, well, there's no way of stopping it unless I suppose they could give some of their money back to uh, to the exchequer, and that is always an option available. Well, we spoke to, to Bedford MP Richard Fuller, who said this was nuts and that he wouldn't accept the money. Well, he, he can say that, and, 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 you know, what could happen is they could give some of it back. Yep. Uh, but, um, you know, the, it's, it's always said to us anyway that you can also pay more in taxes if you really want to. I don't see a great cue, to be honest with you. The difficulty for the MPs, though, and it's going to be interesting because I suspect you're going to get a lot of their rivals come the next election saying, well, I'm not going to accept this rise. And in the end, people say, you know what, I'm going to do this for nothing. And that's going to cause a real problem because the only ones that probably could be able to do that, I would have thought, would largely be Conservative MPs who are, you know, who've, who've got some uh, private, you know, they've, they've done well out of it. And that creates its own problem, I suspect. One thing that will go, that I can tell you, Ian, is that they're cutting their dinner money uh, because part of this package is that one of their allowances, they get 15 quid for their evening meal every time the Commons sits after 7.30 at night, which is usually two or three nights a week. Uh, the, the meals in the Commons are subsidised, although they've gone up a lot more than they used to be. That's going to go, which I suppose shows, Ian, that uh, there is no such thing as a, uh, well, it's not a free lunch, but it's a free dinner, or in my case, being a northerner, a free tea. A free tea, Paul Rowley. Thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. MPs, do they deserve a bit more money? They're losing their 15 quid supper allowance. I think that's a bit harsh. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Dalton Way in Watford is closed because of an accident at the Lower High Street. It means that a few buses are having to go on diversion. The 142 and 258 have been affected by that. If you're going down toward the M25, anti-clockwise, still plenty of traffic after the accident earlier between Enfield and Potter's Bar. You've got queues tailing back as far as the M11 in Essex now, but as you come around Junction 25 at Enfield and go into the roadwork section, you will find it slow. It's then busy from the M1 round to Kings Langley and from Chorleywood to the M40. The A1, the Black Cat roundabout, it's slowing up. Speed sensors are picking up delays coming toward the Barford Bypass, mainly on the southbound side. Things for the moment along the A1M are running quite well, but once you get down toward London, in Boreham Wood there are delays on the A1, southbound from Stirling Corner toward Mill Hill Circus. And it's also looking quite busy through Dunstable on the A5, and as you come down past Markgate and toward the M1. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. 7.31 News and Sport, Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Headlines today sees the launch of a five-year plan to tackle prostitution and curb crawling in Luton's High Town. Clinical trainees have been withdrawn from Bedford Hospital's paediatric and maternity units after complaints about the level of supervision available. And the independent body which has been examining the issue of MPs' pay is recommending their salaries increase by 11% at the current level. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
The Ashes got off to a great start with spectators at Trent Bridge seeing 14 wickets fall on day one yesterday. Favourites England were bowled out for just 215 before reducing the Australians to 75 for four in the last session of the day. Steve Finn took two Australian wickets and says England weren't complacent in their approach. We knew that it was going to be a tough battle. We knew that winning the toss and batting first, we had to get through that first period of play. Um, and I thought we played really nicely till till lunch and just beyond. And you know, we, we always, we know we deal well with setbacks. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get as many runs as we'd have wanted to um, on a good wicket but you know there's a little bit there for the seamers and it's important we come back and set the tone and make sure that we keep our noses in front of the game. Ernie Ell starts his preparation for defence of his Open title when he plays in the Scottish Open starting this morning in Castle Stewart. Ells and four-time major winner Phil Mickelson are the only players from the world's top 25 competing in the event which has surprised the South African. I would have thought more international players would have showed up here especially just a drive down to Muirfield which makes a lot of sense. But as, you know, the comments have been made, you know, some of the guys feel, you know, they don't get a real test here, which, which is quite remarkable. But I would have loved to have seen a, a bigger field, obviously, but it is what it is, and I think we've still got a great tournament. And yesterday was a good day for Chris Froome at the Tour de France. He extended his overall lead after finishing second in individual time trials. He's now 3 minutes 25 seconds ahead of Spain's Alejandro Valverde. Newmarket's three-day July festival gets underway today with Flat Racing's champion jockey Richard Hughes on a number of fancied runners as he seeks to extend his lead at the head of this season's title race. And that's your latest news and sport. I'll be back with more at 8 o'clock. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, here every weekday between six and uh, nine o'clock. Coming up in the next 30 minutes, speed jobbing. What? It's not what it sounds like. Uh, and we'll also, well, we've got lots coming up. You can give us a call 08459 455 555. The three main talking points we've got this morning. The front page of The Sun. Well, I think it's rather tasteless. If you've uh, had problems with alcohol or members of your family have, or maybe you're just a fan of football, What do you think about this front page of The Sun? Gaza, a plea to landlords, shopkeepers and his fans, don't give this man a drink. Cut out page and display. They're not doing it because they love him. They're doing it because it will sell newspapers. I think it's really poor taste. It's not going to help him, is it? Not going to help him at all. 08459 455 555. MPs, they're going to get a pay rise of 11%, about seven and a half grand. I think it's deserved. What do you think? 81333, start your text 3CR. And also, if you go to the Facebook page, you'll see a sign that a, a woman has posted in the, the window of a cafe saying, basically, I'm a black lady. If you don't like it, don't come in. Well, have you experienced racism in Britain in 2013? 08459 555. Now, we all know it can be hard to get a job, so there, uh, here's a different approach to matching up the right employee with the right position. A jobs fair is taking place at the Corn Exchange in Bedford later, and it's going to be a little bit like, well, speed dating. The speed jobbing event will give young people who are looking for work the opportunity to meet with employers and have short interviews, but they'll only have a couple of minutes for each meeting. Effective tool or a cheap gimmick? Well, it's hoped that some will get work out of it, and for the employers, they will have the opportunity to meet young people searching for work in an informal setting. Richard Cummings is HR consultant with HR Insight in St Albans. Richard, what do you think? Is is this a gimmick or is it actually going to be effective? No, I think it could be quite effective. I can't see it being a bad thing. Anything to help young people get jobs has got to be good, isn't it? But if they're only having a few minutes talking to uh, potential employers, uh, uh, will it help them get a job? 
Yeah, more than likely. I think that um, most employers literally make their mind up in a couple of seconds anyway. The, the minute an interviewee walks through the door, and as soon as you see them and you clap eyes on them, you've kind of mentally made a decision. And sometimes it's a yes and sometimes it's a no. If it's a yes, great. You know, they'll ask you some questions. You answer those well. You might stay on a yes. You might tip into a no. But if it's a no, it's very difficult to get you from a no to a yes anyway. So I think in two minutes, it, it you know, shortens the pain barrier gets them to say what they want to say in that short period of time and, and, and hopefully they'll get a job at the end of it. But it's, it's interesting you say that the, 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 the decision can almost be made on first sighting. What, what advice would you give to people then to make that first 10 seconds really count? It's, it's the way you dress, it's the way you present yourself, the way you come in, the way you smile, the way you shake someone's hand, it's all of that counts. So if you turn up and you've got a very nice suit on and you take your shirt off and you've got a motif on your, on your, um, on your pocket, that, that can turn somebody off. What do you mean a motif? Like a Lacoste logo or something? Yeah, something like that, yeah. The vivid's on a shirt, you know, that shirt might cost you quite a lot of money, yeah. but it's not, it's not appropriate to wear it as an interview. Isn't that interesting? The handshake, of course, is incredibly important. Never do the fish, a wet fish, or also the power handshake, where you have your hand, your palm face down. Oh, yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. That's right. So when you go to shake someone's hand, if you slightly twist their hand over, so your hand is above theirs, that shows that you're in a domineering position. Never do that if you're an applicant, but it's quite likely that the person that's interviewing you will do that, and if they do, allow them to do it. And I, I, of course, don't never tickle someone's palm with your middle finger. That's that's a complete no-no. Listen, Richard, I'm in a, a ridiculous job where I, I've not had to do a CV for twenty years. But what, I know nothing about CVs these days. What, give, give some tips for what you should put on there and how it should look. Okay, CVs are like anything. They're fashionable. So years and years ago, bullet points were all the rage. They're not the rage anymore. You need to lose the bullet points and do big bulk of text. You don't You need to take out the things that you have done. So what you're doing is you're selling yourself on a CV. You're not saying all the tasks that you've done. You're looking at a mixture of tasks and achievements. You want to have a principal statement at the top which says who you are, what you're looking for, your ideal, your ideal role. Hopefully your ideal role and the role you're going into will match, which is great. And then a, a list of what you've done previously, but big bulky text saying that what you did, what you achieved, what you liked, that kind of thing. It's very difficult when you haven't had a job previously, and some of these 18 to 24-year-olds who have only had some experience... That's the thing, isn't it? How do you make... If you've never worked before, uh, how do you make that CV, you know, stand out? Yeah, it's very difficult. You need to hone in on the things that you have done and your achievements. So if you've done some volunteering previously, that's great. Get that jumped on there. But if you've, you know, if you're a, 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 a class rep in your sixth form class, you know, get that on there. Talk about what you did. Those kind of things will help and they'll make you stand out from the rest. Thanks very much for that. Useful advice there. Richard Cummings, HR consultant with HR Insight in St Albans. Well, the way this, this thing is going to work is it's going to be similar to speed dating, something I've never done. I've got friends that have done it, and it, it strikes me as a very odd practice. You sit at a table for, with someone for two minutes, uh, and you... Yeah, exactly. It's, it's up and down, up and down. Well, maybe that comes later. But uh, you sit at a table for a few minutes, you, you chat, and you move on... A bell rings, you move on to the next one. Well, Danny Waller is the manager with speeddata.co.uk a singles events company, an online dating agency. Danny, your expertise lies with speed dating. What do you think of speed jobbing? Does it sound like a good idea? I think it's a great idea. You can meet so many people in one evening, so it's a great sort of opportunity to showcase yourself. I think it's, it, it really sort of translates to job hunting as well. 
Wait, how does does speed dating actually work, Danny? It does work. It does work. So our, our success rates is over eighty percent of people who come speed dating get at least one match. So you know the proof is in the pudding. There, it definitely does work. Does, it, does this lead to lasting relationships? Do people ever get married and go? go where, where, where did you meet? Oh, speed dating. We were doing speed dating. We do get a lot of success stories through. We've been running um, about 10 years now, so we're the longest-running company in the UK, and we do get through success stories pretty frequently. So um, it's nice to hear that, you know, you get the full, you know, the end product does work. The end product, I, I like that. So <laughs> for those, um, the, the, going back to this speed jobbing, what's, what's kind of important to make a good first impression? I definitely agree with Richard that you've got to look the part, you know, the smiling, the body language, that first impression really does count. Um, and, you know, being confident and just having your personality really shine through. No one wants to work with someone that's dull. Invariably, you know, employees want someone that can work in a team. So it's not just about your skills. It's about your personality and how you come across. How, well, how do you make your personality come across well in two or three minutes without looking too keen and too eager? I suppose it is finding that balance, um, you know, sort of being confident but not arrogant um, sort of asking the right questions, you know, kind of not just me, 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 um, you know, sort of listening to the employer. Um, it, yeah, it is striking that fine balance, really, and I suppose part of that does come with practice. And, and, you know, as a young person, that may be something that, you know, may be sort of difficult, but with practice will come. The singles uh, event scene, what's it like at the moment? Are you being kept busy? Are there a lot of lonely people out there? <laughs> We are very, very busy. Um, it's it's a really booming industry, as is the online side. Um, there, you know, sort of as as people are busier and busier, there's such a such a need for it, such a you know gap in the market that needs to be filled. Danny, well, there's so many uh, things I could uh, say to that last statement about the gap in the market needing to be filled. I won't. That's Danny Waller, manager of speeddata.co.uk, a singles events company, an online dating agency. So I've got a friend who went speed dating. She she found it hideous. If you've ever been, we can go off on a slight tangent. If you've ever been speed dating, was it successful? Surely, if it's speed dating, surely you're just purely going on whether they're hot or not, aren't you? That's all you can be taking into consideration. Um, um, And you've made your mind up when you've walked into the room. Number three, number seven and number nine look cute. The rest, ah, I'm not that bothered with. You can't sway someone in two minutes thinking, well, they look like a munter, but, but, they've got a special personality. Can you? If you've been speed dating, I'll I'll just throw this out there. We won't dwell on it too much, but if you've ever been speed dating, 08459 455 555. How do you counter the argument? It's just for losers who can't get a date the normal way. Front page of the papers, is it? Yes. The Independent, all in it together. MPs will get their £10,000 pay rise. Well... It's not quite £10,000. Regulator to announce 12% award today with automatic annual increases to follow. Oh, Westminster's MPs will be handed inflation-busting pay rises of £10,000 a year worth up to 12% on their top, uh, top of their current salaries. And below that, there's an incredible picture of a young, uh, young gentleman. Uh, I think this is in... Uh, is, no, is this in Egypt or in, in Syria? I think this is Syria. Um, young gentleman uh, stuck in a room behind a load of sandbags and desks blocking a door. He's holding a machine gun and there's a massive hole has been blasted through the wall. Incredible picture. The front page of The Guardian. Oh, how Twitter killed a sitcom. 
Mark Lawson and Ben Elton's nemesis. Well, I don't think Twitter killed his sitcom. I think his sitcom killed his sitcom. You see that awful police sitcom that he wrote? Who's, who's blaming it? Who's blaming it on Twitter? Surely it should be blamed on the awful, poor, clichéd writing. Oh, we'll look at that a bit later on. Uh, there's a picture of some cricketers doing some things. Uh, MOD fears for Trident sub-base. Whitehall plan to save home of nuclear fleet if Scotland votes for independence. Uh, the Telegraph, more cricketers doing things. Most babies born out of wedlock by 2016. Really? Is that news? Is that news? Even when I was a kid, there was a little bit of shame around um, illegitimacy. You don't, you don't even hear the word illegitimate anymore, do you? It's such an old-fashioned concept. But I remember, I remember in the 70s and the 80s, people say, oh, well, no, they uh, born out of wedlock, illegitimate. The decline of marriage is likely to lead to more family breakdowns, experts predict. Most children will be born out of wedlock within three years as a result of the decline of marriage. I don't think it's that front-page news. I'm not convinced it is, really. Uh, and the Times, SAS sniper may be jailed for gun conviction. Sergeant Danny Nightingale and his wife Sally leave court yesterday. An SAS soldier was facing the prospect of jail after being convicted of a, retri- a retrial of illegal possession of a pistol. He was in the, on the news last night saying, oh, this is ruining our family. We're, we're going to go bankrupt because of the amount it's costing us. Well, I suggest you shouldn't have Ill- illegally had guns. Uh, and families face debt time bomb. We'll have a look at the Mail and the Express, and we know what the front page of The Sun is a little bit later on. 08459 455 555. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. There are still problems in Watford. Dalton Way remains closed after an accident at the Lower High Street and the 142 and 258 buses are on diversion as a result of that. Looking at the speed sensors, the A41 is starting to slow up from Hemel Hempstead southbound toward the M25. You've also got short delays as you come through Chesant on the A10 down toward the M25. The A1 looking slow at the Black Cat roundabout with queues from Eaton Soken. Also slow now along the A1M between Stevenage and Nebworth and looking quite busy on the A5, making your way from Dunstable past Marquette and down toward the M1. M1 on the cameras is moving pretty well actually this morning. M25, you've got patches of traffic. It is slow moving through the roadworks after the accident earlier this morning. It's also busy past the M1 round to Kings Langley and then from Chorleywood down to the M40. And stop start on the A1 into London Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus as well. As for the trains and tubes, they are running nicely. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much indeed. It's coming up to 7.47. It is uh, Thursday, the 11th of July. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Today sees the launch of a five-year plan to tackle prostitution and curb crawling in Luton's Hightown. Clinical trainees have been withdrawn from Bedford Hospital's paediatric and maternity units after complaints about the level of supervision available. In sports, Steve Finn and James Anderson both took two Australian wickets in the final session of the day to reduce the tourists to 75 for four in reply to England's 215 on day one of the first Ashes test at Trent Bridge. Coming up, the body of soldier Lee Rigby, who was murdered in Woolwich, will be taken to Bury Parish Church for a vigil tonight. We'll hear more from our reporter after the weather with Elizabeth Rossini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Hello, very good morning to you. It's a rather cloudy start to the day. It's uh, feeling a bit cooler as well than it has done in recent mornings, but the cloud will clear through the morning um, from western areas first. So Buckinghamshire seeing a few spells of sunshine later on this morning and uh, sunny everywhere as we head into the afternoon. Now temperatures today, yes, a bit cooler than we've been seeing. Um, we're probably still looking though at between uh, 21 and perhaps as high as 23 or 24 degrees Celsius. So certainly, you know, still feeling warm and sunny. Um, just uh, just a bit cooler than it has been over the last couple of days or so. A light to moderate northeasterly breeze. Temperatures overnight will fall again to between uh, 11 and 13 degrees Celsius and we'll gradually see more low clouds spread in from the east and that low cloud tomorrow is going to shift a little bit more slowly than it is today. So I think a cloudy morning tomorrow but plenty of warm sunshine into the afternoon. In fact things really hotting up as we get towards the weekend again. It's going to be really quite sweaty I think on Friday night into Saturday and then and hot and humid on Saturday, plenty of sunshine around, temperatures really quite close to 30 degrees and the risk of one or two thundery downpours in places as well. So a little bit of Russian roulette with the thunderstorms as we head over over through the weekend, particularly on Sunday morning. I think we could see um, one or two thunderstorms develop over the three counties, but plenty of sunshine around. The heat wave continues into next week. Thank you, Elizabeth. Now, the body of the soldier from Greater Manchester who was stabbed to death in London will be escorted into the garrison church of his regiment later today for a vigil. Fusilier Lee Rigby from Middleton died in May after being attacked on a street in Woolwich. Two men have been charged with his murder. A full military funeral will take place tomorrow. Well, I'm joined now by our reporter, Jonathan Alley, who's uh, at the church, I believe. Uh, Good morning, Jonathan. It's unusual to have a vigil, isn't it? Good morning, Ian. Yes, it is unusual to have a vigil in these circumstances. However, it's an opportunity for Lee's family and also for his comrades from the Royal Regiment of Fusiliers to have a period of quiet reflection before tomorrow's full military funeral. Now, Lee's coffin will be escorted into the historic St Mary the Virgin Parish Church in the centre of Bury by his former comrades from the Royal Regiment of Fusiliers Corps of Drums, because, of course, as we know, Lee Rigby was a drummer with them. A small short service will then be conducted by the Padre of the 2nd Battalion of the Royal Regiment of Fusiliers in front of Lee's close family before Lee's coffin is allowed to rest overnight, guarded by his comrades, before tomorrow's full military funeral. Now, Jonathan, why has Berry been chosen when uh, Fusilier Rigby is from another town in Greater Manchester? Yes, Fusilier Rugby is from Middleton, which is about seven miles away from Bury. but Bury is the regimental home of one of the Royal Regiments of Fusilier's predecessor units, the Lancashire Fusiliers. Now, they're best known for winning six Victoria Crosses at Gallipoli in the Great War. Colonel Mike Glover from the Royal Regiment says Bury Parish Church has a spiritual connection for them, dating back to 1881. This is Lee's church. He's a member of the Royal Regiment of Fusiliers. This is... The Royal Regiment of Fusiliers Church in the northwest, and it's entirely appropriate that the service should take place in Bury. Now, this is bound to be an emotional day for Fusilier Rigby's comrades and also for veterans from across the UK who are expected to attend. Uh, I would imagine that a, a large turnout's expected. Yes, the Prime Minister David Cameron's told the Commons yesterday that the whole country should be in mourning for Lee Rigby's funeral and thousands of people are expected to line the route of the military funeral procession when it's held in Bury tomorrow and also as Fusilier Rigby's body is taken back to his hometown of Middleton for a private burial and local people are being encouraged to line certain routes to pay their respects. Now, Lee's deaths had a profound effect on many people. 
these Fusilier veterans are taking part in the service. It's, it's part of a family. Is, uh, our motto is uh, once a Fusilier, always a Fusilier. And we've come to respect him because he's, he's family. Once a Fusilier, always a Fusilier, and that's our motto. As far as I'm concerned, I'm here to honour Lee. Uh, and that's what I'll be doing on, on Thursday and Friday, is honouring that young gentleman who was part, part and parcel of a Fusilier's. Now, Lee Rigby grew up on the big housing estate called Langley on the edge of Middleton. Local people there say it'll be a difficult two days for them. We're all going to be there. We're all going to be wanting to support the family. It's going to be really, really rough. But we'll all pull together and we'll all help each other out. It's a massive impact. He was a young lad. A lot of life in him left. And the way he went, it was just it was ridiculously sad. The community always comes together when something happens. And they are definitely coming together for this day. And um, it's just a really going to be a really, really sad day. Now, the two men accused of murdering Fusilier Rigby outside his barracks in Woolwich in south-east London in May are due to stand trial in November. Jonathan Alley, thank you very much. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. There's a picture on the front page, well, the whole front page of The Sun. I think it's pretty tasteless. Paul Gascoigne's a massive alcoholic. He keeps on going the way he's going. He's going to die soon. That's a fact. Front page of a sun. Cut out, page and display. Gaza, a plea to landlords, shopkeepers and his fans. Don't give this man drink. The sun today calls on Britain's pub landlords and shopkeepers to help save Paul Gascoigne's life by refusing to sell him alcohol. Displaying this front page on licensed premises could stop the England legend drinking himself to death. It won't. Of course it won't. Ridiculous thing to do. How patronising. This bloke is sick. He has the disease of addiction. He is killing himself very slowly. He's committing suicide in one of the slowest ways possible. This front page of the sun ain't going to have any effect. Shame on them for doing it, I think. Shame on them. Uh, Davis texted him, 81333, starting his text 3CR. I'm an alcoholic. Shaming and ridiculing someone like me to sell papers is wrong. We are ill. The majority of people don't understand how tough things are for people like me. We're looked upon like the lowest of the low, but none of us want to be like this. We are human beings with feelings. Well, Dave, if you want to give us a call and have a chat to us, 08459 455 555. I'd love to speak to anyone this morning who has, uh, has struggled with alcohol or is struggling... Or maybe you've got someone in their family. It's a disease. The, the World Health Organization recognises uh, addiction and alcoholism as a disease. I think it's a terrible front page. I think it's exploitative. I think it's, it's uh, deliberately shocking. It's done to sell papers, and I think it's cruel. 08459 455 555. Maybe you think it's a good idea. Maybe you disagree. You think, well, actually, no fair play. The sun is actually stepping up to the mark and uh, trying to do something. Well, let's see. Now, up to 2,000 members of the Libyan Armed Forces are to be trained by the British military at Bassingbourn on the Hertfordshire-Cambridgeshire border, with the Libyan government paying the costs of training. But the move has upset the local community after sports clubs using the site were asked to leave recently with the facilities left to decay. The Ministry of Defence denies that the two issues are connected. We'll hear its statement shortly. But first, let's talk to Bassingbourn resident Des Downey, who's a committee member of the local golf club, which used the site. When did you first hear, um, Des, that the sports clubs would have to leave the site? Uh, We were advised uh, in March uh, this year. Uh, We had been attempting to get some information and to negotiate with the Ministry of Defence 
uh, on staying on site. But we, we were effectively, we were evicted on the 31st of March. What reason was given for getting rid of you lot? Uh, they said it was for uh, security reasons and for access. Um, we, we couldn't actually engage with the, the Ministry of Defence. We had to get our district, our county council, our uh, councillors, local MP, Mr Andrew Lansley, to put pressure on the MOD to meet with the clubs. Um, we made a presentation to the MOD on some options we felt, which were reasonable options to address their concerns. And we also offered to uh, uh, provide some finance as well. And uh, basically they sat there with their arms folded and said no. You've heard in the last few days that the Libyan armed forces are going to be trained there. What's your reaction to that? Uh, well, I think uh, potentially it's a good thing for the local economy. Hopefully it'll bring back some of the jobs that were lost when the army moved out in August 2012. However, uh, when one looks at the MOD statement, there are two things of concern in there. Uh, one of the things they say is that the incoming troops will be vetted for medical, physical and behavioural suitability. Um, behavioural suitability, an old phrase, is, is this some sort of civil service doublespeak? Uh, we know the Libyan army is, is, is made up of uh, tribal factions, perhaps even former Gaddafi soldiers. Does this mean the MOD are concerned about uh, some risks from Islamists or even Al-Qaeda sleepers? Yeah, so are, you, are you worried that uh, a member of the Libyan army is going to go AWOL uh, in Bassingbourne well, and uh, the local area and shoot everybody? That's, you know, potentially that must be a risk. I mean, if the, if the MOD are assessing people for behavioural suitability... But they do with, they they do with, any, they do with all well. troops, don't they? They do it with our troops. They assess them psychologically, don't they? I wouldn't have thought. Uh, I, I certainly, over the, the last since the Second World War, troops have been in Bassingbourne. I don't think they were ever assessed for behavioural suitability. I, I think you have to be to join the army, don't you? Surely there has to be some psychological assessment. Make sure you're not a nutter. I, I've never heard of that. Uh, does, is this just not sour grapes? Just because the army have, have uh, claimed their land back? No, it's not. Of course not. Um, I, I think the other concern I have in terms of the announcement is. The, the MOD say there will be close engagement with the local authorities in Bassingbourne. Uh, we attempted that uh, with regard to the sports clubs, and it didn't happen. Uh, they said no, they weren't prepared to discuss it, to negotiate it. We were, we were evicted, basically. Des, thank you very much indeed. It's Des Downey. Some might argue that freedom in Libya is perhaps slightly more important than uh, a good round of golf, but who am I to comment? 08459 Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Forest Road in Hanslope. We have reports of an accident with a single vehicle involved at the junction with Hartwell Road right on the Northamptonshire border. The A1 looking slow coming to the Black Cat roundabout southbound through Roxton from the Eaton Soken area. The A5 looking quite busy in Dunstable from Church Street down toward Lynch Hill. Clockwise M25 slow through the roadworks. Anti-clockwise pretty busy round there as well. It's also slow from the M1 to the A41 and from Chorleywood to the M40. If you're driving into Watford, Dalton Way remains closed. An accident at the Lower High Street and the A1 into London through Boreham Wood is slow from Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. MPs pay rises. 
racism in Britain and the front page of The Sun. If you're an alcoholic or you struggle with alcohol, give us a call. We'd love to chat to you about this. Here's the news with Catherine. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's eight o'clock. The headlines. Prostitution crackdown begins in Luton. Staffing concerns at Bedford Hospital and MPs set for 11% pay rise. BBC Three Counties Radio. Luton's police and borough council are stepping up efforts to tackle prostitution in Hightown in response to complaints from local residents and businesses. A dispersal order has been issued to force anyone suspected of antisocial behaviour to leave the area and police will send more patrols to target curb crawlers. This sex worker was in Hightown last night and doubts the move will have any impact on her life. I'm on drugs. I've been on drugs since I was 15. I'm 38 and I used to do crime like shoplifting. I was always in prison but turning to prostitution even though it's still crime I um, I wasn't going into prison for it because you don't really get a prison sentence for it, you know. It's more dangerous but it was the only option that I had to keep me out of prison because of my criminal records I couldn't get a job. Junior doctors have been taken out of Bedford Hospital's paediatric and maternity units after complaints about the amount of supervision available from senior clinicians. A statement from the hospital trust recognises this was an unacceptable risk to patients' safety and that the local health economy is working hard to find the best solution to ensure children and families receive safe, continuing care as locally as possible. Health campaigner Dr Barry Monk worked at Bedford Hospital until 18 months ago. This does, on the face of it, sound terribly, terribly serious because uh, I've never, in 38 years as a doctor, heard of the General Medical Council um, just suddenly pulling out um, training recognition for junior hospital doctors. And that does imply that there was something, not only something serious going on, but they didn't seem to, to see that there was any sign of action in remedying the issues. Meanwhile, the NHS has warned there could be a funding gap of £30 billion a year by the end of the decade unless there are dramatic changes to the way the health service is organised. The chief executive of NHS England, Sir David Nicholson, says there needs to be an honest and realistic debate about reducing the number of hospital beds and providing specialist services in fewer centres. The independent body which has been examining the issue of MPs' pay is recommending their salaries increase by 11% on the current level. The upgrading, which would mean MPs get £74,000 a year, would come into effect in 2015. Research by the Institute for Fiscal Studies suggests 40% of people retiring straight after the new flat rate state pensions introduced will get paid more than they would do under the current system. However, it forecasts that many younger workers could lose thousands of pounds once they reach pension age. In sport, the 2013 Ashes series between England and Australia got off to a great start yesterday with 14 wickets falling. England were bowled out for 215 before reducing the tourists to 75 for four at the close of play. The weather, another fine and sunny day with a top temperature of 23 degrees Celsius, that's 73 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. I don't get cricket scoring. I don't understand it because you don't, it's not necessarily the person with the biggest number that has got the what trophy thing. It is. But what's the, so if I had 75 for nine right. and you had 74 for three, do I win? You see? For nine. Um, you don't know what that means. Um, I think I still win. I think I win whatever. 
that's it. It's one of life's great mysteries. A, why do people enjoy cricket when it's so tediously dull? And B, how on earth does the scoring thing work? Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up. MPs, they're going to get more pay. Fantastic news. About time, I say. Some of you will disagree because you haven't thought it through properly. They run the country. They run your county. They run your town. Without them, we'd be in terrible trouble. Do you agree? Should MPs get more money? 08459 455 555. A cafe owner who says people walk out as soon as they see she is black has put up a sign urging customers who are allergic to black people not to enter the premises. Well, is Britain still racist? Have you seen the front page of The Sun? I think it's in very poor taste. The Sun. Gaza, a plea to landlords, shopkeepers and his fans, don't give this man a drink. Displaying this front page on licensed premises could stop the England legend drinking himself to death. What do you think? Is it going to help him at all? 08459 455 555 is the phone number. You can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR or you can send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. April's in Luton. Good morning, April. Good morning. You're you're keen this morning. You you've called in about cricket. Can you explain the score? Well, the two scores that you suggested, seventy-five for nine and seventy-five for three. Yeah. That means you both scored seventy-five runs. Yeah. Except you lost nine wickets. Yeah. Catherine lost three. So Catherine she would lost, win. Lost p- less people. Yes, she won. Okay, but supposing I got seventy-five for nine and mm-hmm. she got seventy-four for three, so she's got less points, but she lost less men. She still wins. How can she win if she has got less points than me? I got seventy-five for nine. Well, I'm assuming you're talking about a limited over. Uh, um, am I? Well, yeah, because you that would be like ten overs. That wouldn't be very good, would it? You need to play a whole four days. Oh, for goodness sakes. How can a game go on for more than a day? Any game where you stop, not only for lunch, but for tea, is ridiculous. You, the, village, you, the village that I live in has actually the uh, world record for the longest played game. And And they're proud of that, are they? Yes. Why would you be proud of, of, of being rubbish at a slow game? <laughs> they were very good and they played it for a very long time over a bank holiday weekend. Continuously played it, as in oh, through the day and through geez. the night. That's just ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense, April. It's a nonsensical game played by boring people who aren't... They're not even athletes, cricket men. Oh, no, they didn't used to be, but they are now. They drink. Have you seen Ian Botham? Yeah, but he's one of the old crowd. The new, the new guys, they are really quite fit. Frederick Flintoff? Yes. He's a boozer. Nice guy. He's a, I'm sure he's a lovely guy, but he liked, he liked a, a little bit of booze every now and then. And you do, they go off, they have sandwiches, and they have a little pint of real ale, then they go out and they rub, rub their balls, and then they... It's just nonsense. It's a gentleman's game. Are you a gentleman? No. Thank you very much for calling. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, that's cleared things up. Not. <laughs> What's up? Now, a five-year strategy has begun to tackle the problem of prostitution in the high town area of Luton. Throughout the rest of this month, police will be carrying out patrols to target curb crawlers. Luton Borough Council says that they want all on-street sex trade to be removed by 2018. 
Shazad Gadam is a local shopkeeper and from the campaign group Hightown Against Prostitution. He joins me now. Morning, Shazad. Good morning, Ian. A, a police patrol was out last night, so were you aware of that? Yes, I was. I've, you know, I've been, um, you know, I've had a, a few um, private meetings with the partners, uh, with our group has actually, and, um, you know, the vehicles are parked in um, locations to make the prostitutes and the curb callers aware that there is police presence. So the police, the, the, they're sat there in their police cars with the lights on so everyone can see them and, and the people are aware that they're there? Well, um, well, uh, I wouldn't say that the lights on and, um, you know, they're, they're not there. The vehicles are there and they're out on patrol. OK, well, have, have a listen to this, Shazad. This, this happened last night. The police have been busy and they have caught some curb crawlers. What's going to happen now? Because I'm at Nourishi. Uh, Korea. Yeah, and how do you know her? Uh, we just spoke to a few times. Oh, where did you meet her tonight? Uh, just here. Yeah. And why did you come round and why are you sitting in the back of the car with her? I was talking to her. Because she's going to tell me exactly why you've been here. Okay. Okay, so you can be honest with me. Uh, and we uh, listen. Yeah. I'm going you can be honest. I'll give you two choices here. Okay, One, you can be arrested yeah. for picking up a prostitute. Okay. Or two, you can be honest with me and yeah. we'll put you in the back of the car and we'll interview you in the back of the car and that's the end of the matter. Okay, I'll be honest with you. Right, you're gonna sit with me and you're gonna tell me everything. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll um I'll grab a statement. Well, that was High Town last night. What are you doing in the back, back of the car? Just chatting with her. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah. We've heard it all before. Shazad, listening to that, does that reassure you? Because you, you have been campaigning for a long time to get High Town cleared up. Does, does that reassure you slightly? Not really. I mean, well, from what I've heard there, it's the same thing. You know, it's, 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 it's you know, they're letting them go. We need, you know, we, we need them to have a zero-tolerance approach. Uh, you know, like they said, they will, the Ipswich, you know, reflecting Ipswich. But, the, you know, the biggest problem which, you know, well, I wouldn't say the problem, the only thing I fear... Shazad, do you, not, do you not think, though, right, that fella's not going to go back there again, is he? That fella has had the, the life scared out of him. He's been caught in the back of his car with a prostitute yeah. by the police. He's had a BBC reporter shoving a microphone in his face. He's not going to go back, is he? Well, you find from what the police are saying, a lot of them are repeat offenders. But if they're but if they're having a high presence and doing yeah. a high profile campaign, yeah, surely well, that's I mean, got to be a, a, a big step in the right direction it, and towards it, ending it. Ian, in in I've you know I've spoken to Mark, I've spoken to the Newburgh Council. You know the meetings we've had with them are you know I'm very optimistic with with them, and I'm I'm very happy with what they're actually you know trying to do. They're finally after 25 years of learning, you know it doesn't work, and admitting it hasn't worked. You know, after wasting all those funds, you know, the public fund and doing um, operations which have never worked, they finally realized they haven't worked and now they're doing something which is actually going to work. But the only problem is, is, is that funds going to be kept available? Are Lutenberg Council, is the PCC going to make more funds available for this operation to continue from the one month? Well, this month only. It's, fi- it's a five-year plan, isn't it, Shazad? It's a, it's, it's a plan, but where is the money going to come from, Ian? Don't, 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 Shazad, don't, don't you worry about the money. They have said this is a five-year plan. But what they're saying is also that this operation where the police presence is only available for one month. They've so, got funds available for one month. It's good enough having a plan for five years, but you've got to have the resources and the funds available to keep 
these operations ongoing. Shazad, are you, are you ever? Listen, I feel personally this is a, this is a huge step. It feels to me that you and your uh, other residents have been listened to. Will you ever be happy, Shazad, with with what they're doing? Well, when we get to the pre-vice area, Luton will be happy, Ian. Luton will be happy to what it was twenty-five years ago. We don't want it, you know, just for one month, and then after a couple of months, it comes back again. Shazad, listen, it's great to talk to you as always. We'll be following this story closely and no doubt we'll speak to you again in the future. 08459 455 555. Front page of The Sun. Don't give this man a drink. It's a cut-out and display picture. They've even put the uh, black dotted line with pictures of scissors around it like you used to get in comics. Displaying this front page on licensed premises could stop the England legend Paul Gascoigne drinking himself to death. I think it's in bad taste. I think it's ineffectual. Uh, and it's, it, it really is they're doing it to make money to sell more newspapers well Bobby's in Milton Keynes morning Bobby morning Bobby am I right you're an alcoholic that's right yeah how long have you recognised you've had this problem uh, I've been drinking for the past 25 years just recently four or five years is where it went out of control I couldn't control myself and how much on a normal day would, would you say you drink uh, let's say from a litre to a litre and a half a bottle of whiskey. A litre and a half of whiskey a day? Yeah, every day. And you've been doing that for the last few years? I've been doing it for the last 25 years. Now, you know, I know, you are slowly killing yourself. That's right. You recognise that, don't you? Yep. Uh, but even knowing that isn't enough to stop you doing it? The thing is, it's, uh, it's something that is very difficult to control, and when the craving comes over you, you just you, your brain goes blank, and you just go for it. You don't care about the consequences. So you can have the best intention in the world. You wake up as most alcoholics do every morning, saying, "Right, I'm not going to have a drink today. This is it." That's right. And then, and then, when does it kick in? About what? Half ten in the morning. Uh, the it used to be like when obviously I had to work. So when I finished work. I used to tell myself, I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to drink, and my car was on autopilot with your license. You bought the bottle of whiskey and you're still saying you're not going to drink, but you end up drinking it. Have you got family, Bobby? Yes, I do. Uh, uh, wife, kids? Uh, wife, not kids, yeah. Okay. And what does your wife think about this? Does uh, she know well, about it? Yeah, my marriage was, uh, was on a break, uh bring to break up and everything and uh, my family intervened I've been to rehab and I've still had a relapse and everything but recently my parents are living with me and uh, they're giving me great support my wife's turned around she's giving me great support and it's helping me a lot what, what, how is this support manifesting itself? What are they doing that's different this time? I mean, you see, being an alcoholic is not is the guy who, the person who is suffering. He he knows what he's going through, but an outsider thinks, ah, well, it's just an alcoholic. He's just he's just doing it because he just feels like he's just a taster. It's not that easy. We don't do it for the taste. We don't do it for the highness. It's a habit, and it's a habit that it's very difficult to get rid of. This front page of the Sun. Have you seen it today, Bobby? Unfortunately, not. Okay. Well, it's 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 basically it's a poster to stick in in boozers and off licenses that's supposed to help save Paul Gascoigne. Do you think something like this would help? Uh, one piece. 
I, I would think he'll just make him feel more ashamed and guilty and end up making him drinking more. It's interesting. I mean, I, I've heard this before. This is the, the perpetu- self-perpetuating cycle. You feel ashamed and guilty, so you drink. That yeah. brings on more shame and guilt, so you drink more. You drink more. It's a vicious cycle once you start. That's it. The thing is, a person... I've, I've cut down a lot of my drink, and I'm making a real effort to change myself. But it's really difficult. I mean, luckily, I got support, and I have that... that inside me that wants to live, that wants to have yeah. a family and that wants to have a normal life. You say but you're I cutting down, Bobby. Y- you know that the only way you can do this is to stop completely. Yeah. Yeah. And when was the I last mean, time you had a drink? It's been four weeks, four and a half, five weeks now. Okay, well that's good. Uh, yeah. Have you tried anything like AA? Uh, well, I tried AA. I used to go to AA in Kenya. That was good. Over here I tried, but uh, it's not that helpful. So that's why I I uh, turned around to my family for greater support and everything, and they've finally come around, and, and they understand my problem. Bobby, uh, I, I wish you the very best of luck. Thank you. You can do this if you want. Yeah, it's all down to the individual. It's all down to the individual. Keep in if touch. You, and let if us you know- don't ask for help, you don't get. You've exactly. got to ask for help. Let us know who you get on, Bobby, OK? Good, good luck. Thank you. Take care. Yeah. Bye. Oh, 08459 <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The A1 busy at the Black Cat roundabout southbound. It's also quite slowed down the A1M as you go past Stevenage on the southbound side. And then you have the delays into London on the A1 through Boreham Wood toward Mill Hill Circus. Bit busy on the A10 in Chesant down to the M25. Hartford and the A414 is looking pretty slow between Hartford and the A10. And you've got a short delay on the A41 coming down toward the M25. The A5 in Dunstable, it's slowest right now past Mark Yate and down toward the M1 near Redbourne. If you're joining the M25, clockwise and anti-clockwise slow through the roadworks near Potter's Bar. You've also got stop-start traffic from the M1 to Kings Langley and Chorleywood to the M40. Good news because through Hanslope, Forest Road is now clear after the accident at Hartwell Road and in Watford, Dalton Way has reopened after the accident earlier this morning around the Lower High Street. Problem if you're driving a little bit further into London, station approach in Pinner, there has been an accident at Marsh Road. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. 8.18, it's Thursday the 11th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Luton's police and borough council are stepping up efforts to tackle prostitution in Hightown in response to complaints from local residents and businesses. Junior doctors have been taken out of Bedford Hospital's paediatric and maternity units after they complained about the levels of supervision available. Australia... Now, do you understand cricket scores? Don't be silly. So does this mean anything to you? Australia will resume on 175 for four, 140 runs behind England. Nothing at all. I just don't get it. When day two of the first Ashes test continues, the first... Day two of the first one. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double. It's just such a tedious game. BBC Three Counties Radio. Shrink wrapped every Sunday from midday. How hard has it been for you if you have a mental health problem? Shrink wrapped. I explained it to myself by uh, the belief that I had implants in my eyes and in my ears that through which people were beaming in from from the military information into my head it's a friendly approachable natural but honest look at mental health and disability shrink wrapped every sunday from midday on bbc three counties
How's your knuckle? Let's oh, have a look at it. What have you done? Look, can you see it? It's a bit bruised. Can you see that? It's huge. Okay. What did you do? Did you punch a man? Did you get into a brawl, a drunken brawl? No, I was cleaning a garage door oh. and I whacked it against uh, the handle that you open it with. Yeah. It's all bruised. I, I'm going to give you um, 24 hours. From Tulsa. To up your game on Twitter. Oh. And then I'm going to unfollow. Oh, my word. What? Yeah, yeah. What's going on? I've been brilliant on Twitter recently. No, you've been very poor. Uh, I So your, your tweets have been, uh, I'm sat on a balcony with my friend Tara. We're drunk. <laughs> I'm cleaning my garage door. Yeah. Have a look at the tiles on my luxury balcony. This is my life. It's a bit, you, a bit boring. Well, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. While yes. we're talking about tweets, what have you tweeted recently that's been in any way entertaining? All you ever do is tweet, ooh, the monkeys, follow the monkeys. Yeah, I tweeted an excellent interview with Michael Nesmith of the monkeys yesterday. Well, it may well be, but, yeah. you know, it doesn't interest me. I'm not interested in the monkeys. Unfollow me, then! But I wouldn't do that, because... Why? Well, because from time to time, you tweet something that is quite funny. <laughs> really? <laughs> Every now and then, it's worth sticking with you for those <laughs> odd nuggets. I'm brilliant on Twitter. In the same way, it's worth sticking with me, because every now and then, generally when I've had a few Pinot Grigios, I'll get on my high horse about something, and it will all start coming out. Right. Uh, OK, here we go. Um, who wants to see Sly Stone and Richard Pryor higher than any other human beings from last night? Great TV clip from the 70s, and there's an advert of why you shouldn't do drugs. Mm. Um, Royal Mail, this is a retweet. Ensure postmen receive their privatisation shares by posting them in birthday cards to small children. You see? So they're, they're, I'm doing satire. There's a picture of me in my calculator watch. Brilliant. What's the new show today? Coming up on the big phone in this morning from nine. Is it unfair to bring children into the world if you're not married? Most children will be born out of wedlock by 2016. That's according to the Office for National Statistics. Conservative MPs and child welfare experts are warning that the decline of marriage will lead to more family breakdowns and will damage children's prospects of doing well in life. So this morning from nine... Is it unfair to bring children into the world if you're not married? Was that one of the reasons you got married? Because you decided you want to start a family? Um, it was mainly because I was in love with my wife, uh, but we did plan on starting a family. Right. But um, I, I wouldn't have been that fussed if they'd been born illegitimate. Really? I wouldn't have been that fussed. We, we got pregnant. Well, it, it turns out we, we were... It was almost a shotgun wedding, it turns out. Really? We, yes, we found out We found out on our honeymoon that, that my wife was pregnant, yes. Gosh. Yes, it could have been very close. What a wedding present that was. <laughs> but why would you... If you're going to br- have children, yeah. why would you not get married? I guess that's the question. Yeah. You know, why would you not want to? Because if you're going to bring children into the world... I mean, I grew up with a, a mum and a dad who were married and very much a kind of traditional family unit. Yes. Um, perhaps I was lucky that I had a, a mum and a dad who kind of loved one another for the whole of, certainly my mum's life anyway. Um, but why would you not want to do that? Why would you not want to make your family as kind of solid and formal as possible? But that's the, the implication there is is that, that marriage brings something to a relationship that the otherwise would be missing, that it makes it more real. 
It doesn't necessarily. You can makes still... it more formal, doesn't it? Well, it makes it more formal, but what's that got to do with raising a child? Well, perhaps nothing. Yes. From nine this morning, I want to hear your views, whether you think it does make any difference. Do you remember, you're old enough to remember this, 70s and 80s, there was still, uh, maybe, well, maybe not by the 90s, but there was still a real stigma this attached to it. still is. Really? This still is. Have you never... Is there? Yes. No one, no one says, oh, oh look, there's no. an illegitimate, oh, she's, I've she's got, pregnant and they're not married. I've got friends who've got married in the last couple of years, yeah. and it, there's been a lot of pressure from the parents. Really? Yes, absolutely. And I know I'm there so are naive. there are lots of people out there who would genuinely, if they're honest about it, yeah. they'd be disappointed if their son or daughter had children and didn't get married to their partner. They oh, would, dear. if they were being honest about it. Yeah. But of course, people try to be very, you know, oh no, it's up to them, isn't it? But deep down, they're thinking, are they going to get married? Mm. Why are they not getting, why is he not marrying her? What's wrong with them? You don't hear the phrase living in sin anymore. You don't. So that's progress. That's absolute progress. From nine this morning, is it unfair to bring children into the world if you're not married? I'd like your view from nine. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, gosh, that was really pathetic when Justin just left. The microphones were off. This was a private moment. Uh, Jonathan, he's saying. Private moment. He just went, oh, please don't unfollow me on Twitter. Please don't unfollow me on Twitter. Jonathan Vernon Smith. He's got 24 hours to prove himself. Simple as. 24 hours. Now, the front page of The Sun has a cut-out poster on it of Paul Gascoigne. It reads, if you see this man, don't give him a drink. I think it's a pretty tasteless front page. I don't think it's going to help him in the slightest. I think it's exploitative. Well, I'm joined now by uh, Gary Topley, who is an alcohol awareness specialist and a recovering alcoholic. Morning, Gary. Good morning. What do you think about this front page of the Sun? Pretty tasteless, isn't it? You know, you can look at it in in two ways. Um, first one is wrapping someone in cotton wool too much, and if you do that to someone and put them in the public eye even more, will it drive them un- underground with it all? You know, and away from it, where they then cannot go on and get more help if they need it, um, because then it will come, become a massive secret, and that won't help him. But how does how, this isn't going to help him? Is it? I would have thought so. No, um, you, you know everyone knows that he's got he's got an addiction. Um, you know you put in something in in your window or whatever, or it's saying to put something in your window, saying you know don't don't ever serve him a drink again. To place that in its own right is very very difficult, and you know to to do that to him, I, I don't think he'll find it very helpful. He can only get well. If he wants to get well. He went to this fantastic treatment centre in the States. I don't know which one it was, but seven and a half grand a week or whatever it was it, it, it cost. And people think, well, this will sort him out. But he obviously didn't want to get well then. Um, I'd, I'd done an inter- a radio interview um, around about that time. And I said the most important thing um, isn't necessarily the rehab. It's the aftercare when he leaves the rehab. What aftercare has he actually had? You know, when, is it, when he's left the rehab, what help has he had? What help has he been offered? What help, you know... It, is he taking part in now? And then he gets found, you know, with hundreds of pounds in his pocket, collapsing in the hotel lobby. That, to me, is not aftercare, because there's no one, no one there looking after him. What, uh, what help do you think he should be getting, Gary? What would make a difference? It's very difficult to say, obviously, because I don't know the ins and outs and the underlying problems, but off the, off the top of my head, um, you know, he, he does need some, someone there for a lengthy amount of time to look after him when he comes out of rehab. But what would that do? Because this disease, as we all know, or some of us know, is is cunning and baffling, and just having someone there isn't going to stop him boozing, is it? 
that's part of an aftercare program. You know, part of an aftercare program is, is putting th- putting things in place. And, and sometimes I think that when someone goes into rehab, you know, they are wrapped to an extent in cotton wool. You know, everything's great. You, you're in this bubble. Everything's brilliant. Life's going to be good again. It's going to be exciting when you get released from rehab. You know, you've got that motivation and determination. This drink isn't going to touch me again. But when you go back out, if, if there's nothing in place, you're alone in the big wide world. And, you, you know, it, sometimes it feels like you're just thrown to the walls again. You know, I'm on my own now. I'm stuck. What do I do? You know, I, I need help. It's help still. It was great at that rehab, but now I'm on my own. Well, that's where, where things like, I guess, uh, AA and uh, support networks like that come into place, don't they? Yeah, sometimes. You know, pe- people choose different things to, to help them along. Um, how, how did you get sober, Gary? My, mine was... Um, stubbornness more than anything um it's not a thing that i'd advise anyone to do but i I stopped because of my daughter um amongst other things i wanted to be a good role model to her i wanted to help other people and use my own personal experience and that was at the forefront of my mind and that's what i've you know kept for the last four and a half years now do you still fancy a drink from time to time not very often sometimes when you know the football's on or around new year's eve I might think, you know, I wish I could drink again, but to be honest with you, I don't trust myself to even have a pint. So I know the decision that I made four and a half years ago is a lifelong decision because if I went out and had one pint or two pint or whatever it may be, I wouldn't stop then. It would be all or nothing again. Gary Topley, I appreciate your time. Alcohol awareness specialist, recovering alcoholic, talking about the front page of The Sun. If you are an alcoholic, we spoke to Bobby earlier on, who was uh, very revealing. He's got four weeks sober, which is, uh, which is an achievement. If you are an alcoholic, or there is one in your family, what can you do to help them? It must be frustrating, you know, for the, the, the wives or the children or the parents of someone with an alcohol uh, problem. 08459 455555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The A1 still looking quite slow on the speed sensors as you come down from the Soken toward the Black Cat roundabout. Taking a look at the sensors further down and the A1M is still looking just a little bit slow past Stevenage. Not too bad, but definitely busy. Uh, past Welling Garden City and Hatfield, though, it is running clear and down to the M25. No problems that end of the A1M. A1, though, into London as you continue further down, you've got queues through Boreham Wood from Stirling Corner toward Mill Hill Circus. It's looking very slow if you're heading across to Harlow this morning. The A414 is quite busy. It's slow on the 414 in Hartford as well, mainly on the westbound side from the A10 across into to Hartford. The A10 in Chesant looking slow southbound toward the M25. Some short delays in London Coney on the A414 and then the A41 is slow from Kings Langley down to the M25. Anti-clockwise M25 slow through the roadwork section, busy past the M1 and Kings Langley and very slow as you make your way round toward the M40. Trains and tubes still running a good service. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Thank you, Adam. 8.30, here's the news and sport with Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Headlines. Luton's police and borough council are stepping up efforts to tackle prostitution in Hightown in response to complaints from local residents and businesses. Junior doctors have been taken out of Bedford Hospital's paediatric and maternity units after they complained about the levels of supervision available. And the independent body which has been examining the issue of MPs' pay is recommending their salaries increase by 11% on the current level. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
England's batsmen suffered a batting collapse as the 2013 Ashes series against Australia got off to a great start. The hosts were bowled out for just 215, losing their last six wickets for just 37. But England then reduced the Australians to 75 for four at the close of play. Former England captain Jeff Boycott, though, has concerns over the batting. It's mental. It's not about ability. It's got to be upstairs. What is happening in the dressing room? I don't know what they're saying to each other. I don't know what the coach is saying to them. But if I was chairman of selectors, if I was chairman of the England cricket, I was in hey, hey, hey. Hang on, this is happening too often. And I'm saying something is not right when a side as good as England, they are talented and good, get themselves in trouble. In football, Manuel Pellegrini says he feels no pressure to win the Premier League title with Manchester City. Speaking in his first news conference since becoming City boss, Pellegrini also says his club can't continue with their recent transfer policy. It's impossible to be every year buying three, four, five expensive players. I think we have a we have uh, we need a mix with uh, with young players. We need to work uh, exactly the same in the under 21 that the first team. Britain's Chris Froome more than doubled his overall lead in the Tour de France as he finished a close second in the individual time trial to the World Heritage Site of Mont Saint-Michel. Froome was the only general classification contender in the top 10 and now leads by 3 minutes 25 seconds overall. Mark Cavendish finished down in 163rd place and left without speaking to the media after a spectator threw urine at him. Many fans blame Cavendish for a crash on Tuesday. And that's the latest news in sport. I'll be back with more at 9 o'clock. Catherine, yes. there is the, 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 the debate is raging on how to score cricket. We've got it wrong. April may have got it wrong earlier on as well. Can we just... Let's just get rid of... Foot, the thing I like about football, and there's not much, right, is 2-0. Oh, the blue team got two, the reds got, got nil, so two... OK, blue have won. Oh, it's a draw. They both they both won or lost. Three nil. But cricket just makes no sense at all. Right. Well, you're talking to a cricket widow here, and my general... Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I know, it's terrible. Oh, you mean he watches it? I thought... No, he mm. plays it. Oh. And I don't go. Do you clean his whites? Do I, heck? Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. This is doing my head in. How can scoring a game be so complicated? John's in Dunstable. Morning, John. Morning. Can you explain the stupid scoring system of stupid cricket? I'll tell you what, that was so frustrating listening to you and your colleague and then that young lady phoned in from the village that had played the longest game ever. That was, that was April. Boy, doesn't her village sound fun. Remind <laughs> me never to go there. So frustrating. Uh, the, the best way I can, I can say this, right, Manchester United score five goals yes. and have two players sent off. We're talking about cricket. I, I know that. Right. I'm, I'm going to give you an example. Okay. Right? So this is as simple as you can put it. Man United scored five goals and have two players so sent off. So they're down to ten men. Okay, so they have two players sent off. So they've got ten. Yeah. Liverpool score four goals and have three players sent off. Who wins the game? Give me the stats again. Man United score five. Five. Two two players sent off. Liverpool scores four and have three players. Manchester United have won. Why have they won? Because they've got more goals. Okay, England score a hundred runs. Yep. And have five wickets. So that's a hundred for five. Yeah. Australia, ninety-nine runs. Seven wickets. Who wins the game? England. Why? Because they've got more runs. There you go. You've answered but su- the No, but supposing they... Right, so England have 100... Are 100 for five. Yeah. Australia are 99 for one. Yeah. Well, England have still won the game. If it's the end of But the they've game, lost less men. Sorry? They've lost less men. If the end of the, if it's the end of the game, if the time has run out, England have scored more runs. They win the game. But, but okay, all right. So... 
Here's something then. Go it's a hundred for five England. Yeah. Australia ninety nine for three. Yeah. Rain stops play. Okay. Who's Rain won that? Play. Rain stops play. Time has elapsed. There's no more time to play the game. England have won the game. They've scored more runs. How can they win the game when? If, but they've played for like a day, and Australia have played for twenty minutes. Because they've scored more runs. But the Raiders time. stopped the play. That can't yeah. be a valid reason for losing a game. <laughs> Rain stops play. Snow stops play. If the time has elapsed, if the five days are up, if the three days are up, rain has stopped play. End of time. England has scored more runs. It's a stupid game, isn't it? <laughs> it's a ridiculous game. You talk about that hurling in Ireland. That's even more ridiculous. Oh, go away! Call 08459 555 BBC Three Counties Radio. Don't, don't even introduce hurling into the conversation. We're only here until nine o'clock, for goodness sakes. Now, Milton Keynes Council has given the official go-ahead to plans for 28,000 homes to be built over the next 12 years. It's a, it adopted its new strategy at a meeting last night. Our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, was there. Paul, what's been agreed? Uh, well, Ian, uh, as you say, a plan for a minimum of 28,000 homes up to uh, 2026. That's actually between 2010 and 2026, so some of that is already underway. That's around 1,700 dwellings per year. Um, and also a, 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 a sort of a, an inclusion of more uh, land to the southeast of the city, including around the Wavenden area, although not right up to Wavenden. There is a so-called green buffer zone between some of the uh, new developments and the older villages if you like and also uh, it encourages the growth of central Milton Keynes this plan as a sort of a more uh, an even greater if you like regional shopping centre and also looking at the development of the town centres in Milton Keynes those big four towns if you like of Bletchley uh, Stain Stratford Wolverton uh, Newport Pagnall around the outskirts as well so uh, a sort of an increase if you like of, of size these these plans have to be um, put through by a council every council will have a plan they have to by law yeah, in order to uh, secure funding for, for various projects and growth and so on so a lot of lot of a lot of new homes. sorry a lot of new homes means lots of new people mm. where are they going to work well, there's also uh, plans in this for 40,000 new jobs up to 2026 as well. So uh, there's there's plans in place in, in, in the core strategy to develop business, to develop infrastructure, to bring business to Milton Keynes. So those sorts of things have been picked up. There have been uh, some, it's already been through several uh, manifestations. It's been looked at by a government inspector as well, who uh, made some little changes to the housing target as well. They also wanted extra clarification about what sites would be brought into the mix in terms of where it would be built so they've already had a, a look at this and and i should say as well in it's, it's one of these plans that that gets written and as soon as it's written rather like the fourth bridge it starts to uh, they, they start painting it again they start writing another one in in a few years time as well so this is always going to be moving and of course they will be looking in in the long term to sort of even as far as 2031 which some councils in our patch including central beds have already started to do so you you can already see that the councils but uh, are looking to the long term i suppose it's interesting though in Milton Keynes because it's one of those new towns people are always looking to it to see what they're going to do next do, do people feel that, that, that things have been missed out plans like this can't include everything on the wish list can they 
They can't, and they do make um, a, a sort of inclusion of things like the Bedford to uh, Milton Keynes Waterway. That's a sort of a, a, a re- an expansion, if you like, of the canal system and and, and development around that. There's also uh, just an underlining of support for east-west rail. However, at the meeting last night, there was a gentleman from Olney, and uh, he was uh, very disappointed that there was no bypass for Olney in the uh, uh, in the plan. And he said that that's been uh, desired. It's been on the cards. It's been necessary since 1994. And every plan since has missed it out. And the councillors again apologised uh, to the gentleman, saying that they missed out again, but maybe he could try again for the next plan. So and I'm not sure if you live in Olney, you're going to get a bypass any time. What's happening with this beach in Milton Keynes? Milton Keynes <laughs> is going to get a beach, aren't they? Oh, goodness me, the beach. Now, um, this is a lady who used to appear on Three Counties some time ago, Anita Rose, and she was campaigning for a beach in Milton Keynes. She wanted a beach on the shores of Willen Lake to rival that of the uh, bank of the Seine in Paris wow. uh, and she thought it would be a great addition to the tourist infrastructure of Milton Keynes would bring hundreds of jobs to the city as well um, she put her case forward again last night at the meeting saying and she caught, she caught me just beforehand saying I'm bringing back the beach Paul, I'm bringing back the beach and uh, she made an impassioned speech to the councillors to stop wasting money on wind farms mm. and instead to invest on uh, in her beach idea yeah, that's not a waste uh, of money is it? No. Uh, well I, I can't tell you the figures involved in yep. this but it is deemed to be substantial. Is it happening? Uh, the, the council said that they supported the idea of a beach in Milton Keynes. Well, that's certainly one to keep an eye on. Paul Scoins, thank you very much. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Boing, boing. I'm, getting, I'm getting really stroppy emails now about cricket scores. Look, April, who called in earlier... Uh, is uh, is saying, oh yeah, I got it wrong, Ian. Sorry, my explanation was wrong. That guy is right. Oh, for goodness sakes. Deary me. We're talking about the front page of the sun. Don't give this man a drink. It's a picture of Paul Gascoigne. The idea is you cut this out and you stick it in your shop window. Displaying this front page on licensed premises could stop the England legend drinking himself to death. I think it's in poor taste. It's going to be ineffectual. Won't help the gentleman... Uh, in the slightest. I've been asking you to call in if your life has been affected by alcoholism. Pauline's in Luton. Morning, Pauline. Good morning. Pauline, it, it, it's your daughter, is it, that's, uh, yes. that's been struggling with alcohol? Yes, yes. Um, she's been... Um, first of all, it's, she started on drugs and then she got off the drugs and went on to the alcohol, which to me is a worse... It's worse than drugs. Um, People will be surprised to hear you say you think alcohol is worse than drugs. What, why is that? How does it affect your daughter? <laughs> It affects your life far worse. She was constantly drunk. She was walking around. She had two small children. And she was walking around with one under her arm and a sick bowl in the other hand. And it was devastating. Um, she, her two children, who are now teenagers, um, 16 and 15, um, have grown up not knowing their mum. They don't see her. They have nothing to do with her. Nobody in the family now has anything to do with her. She's made our lives miserable. I've had to step back from her. Um, I don't see her now. I know where she is. I believe I know where she is. She's still drinking? Yes, terribly. Uh, some, I can understand exactly why you step back. Some people might think uh, uh, that's, that's a little bit harsh. Uh, what was, what was oh. the point when you went, do you know what, I just cannot do this anymore, and you made that right. painful decision? That's right. I mean, it's heartbreaking, but every time I see her, she wants money, or she's been abused. She's constantly being abused by men, 
who are in the same position as her. What, what was the what was the, the final point, Pauline, when you just said to her, look, I, I love you, but I can't do this anymore? I didn't say it to her. I just stepped, left her one day, and I thought, I can't do this anymore. And I didn't get in contact with her again. And she's never got in contact with me. I mean, as I said, her boys don't, don't get in contact with her. They don't want to know her. And nobody else in the family does, really. Where, where are your grandchildren now, then? with their father right um lovely boys i think what they if one thing good things come out of it they've seen what their mother's like and they hardly drink they do have a drink but they hardly drink um i mean i offer them a drink here and it's very often no i don't i don't really want one nan um and um one of them has got crohn's and i believe that Maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. It's not been said, but I believe that when she was carrying him, she was drinking and using drugs, and I believe that this is the cause of it. Um, it's caused the, the youngest one to have Crohn's. Have you tr- did you try and help her uh, oh. did you, to stop drinking? <laughs> yes, I've done everything I can. Um, we used to have people around at Christmas, and she used to come, and I used to buy in non-alcoholic wine for her, um, and not let her have a drink. Um, I wouldn't drink in front of her at all. Not that I drink much, but um, I used to. She used to go into rehab. She's been into rehab so many times that I can't. I can't remember how many. And she comes out and it starts again. She stopped for about twelve months, and then she started one glass of wine and i admire the man you had on earlier i only just heard the end of what he was saying. that was bobby yes that he'll never touch a drink again he's right as soon as they touch that one drink they've lost uh, uh, finally pauline as a mum and a grandmom it must be so painful for you to know that she's suffering like that yes yes i mean it's it, it, it's spoiled my life it's ruined her life I mean, she's got no life whatsoever. And every time I see her, she's either drunk or asleep, drinking the dr- uh, sleeping the drink off. Um, and this is why I had to distance myself. I mean, every time I, she got just so abusive, um, she'd never come round unless she wanted something like money or somewhere to sleep. And, and she wasn't nice about it. She was just so abusive. Um, and I did a college course a few years ago, and um, it was on, on an evening, and every time I was just going into college, she'd ring me up and be just so abusive over the phone. And um, it just got too much. Every time we went away on holiday, something would happen. She jumped off of a garage roof and broke her leg, and she expected me to come home from holiday to sort her out. Um, and the Polly, w- listen, we have to go to the news and travel. C- can you, could you stay on the line for, for another couple of minutes? Yes, Would that be OK? Pauline, yes. uh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Pauline's in Luton. Um, and uh, I'm keen to hear a little bit more of her story, but, but I've got to squeeze this in. So let's get the travel now with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Thanks Ian, still slow on the A1 as you come to the Black Cat roundabout southbound with some delays on the A1M as well past Stevenage and slow moving traffic on the A602 in Stevenage past Gunnells Wood Road looking quite busy past Clop Hill if you're making a journey along the A6 and possibly heading across from Clop Hill along the A507 that's looking particularly slow this morning westbound off toward Flittick and Ampthill things looking a little busy on the A5 in Dunstable southbound past the A505 junctions, then again when you get down toward the M1 near Redbourne. A41 looking slow in Hemel Hempstead, down toward the M25. On the M25 you have slow traffic both ways through the roadworks, and lay down the A1 into London through Boreham Wood. And the M25 has lots of queues anti-clockwise, from junction... 20 at Kings Langley, essentially all the way around to junction 13 at Staines in Surrey. There was an accident round in the Staines stretch earlier this morning and traffic has just been slowly tailing back. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. Right, these are your headlines, BBC Three Counties Radio. Luton's police and borough council are stepping up efforts to tackle prostitution in Hightown in response to complaints from local residents. Junior doctors have been taken out of Bedford's hospital's paediatric and maternity units after they complained about the levels of supervision available. In sport, Australia will resume on 175 for four, 140 runs behind England. Coming up, I don't know if you've seen the front page of The Sun, we've been talking about it this morning. Well, we're going to be joined by the editor of The Sun to talk about that. But first of all, let's get the weather with Elizabeth. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. It's a cooler, a cloudier start to the day today, but the cloud will thin and break across the three counties, um, possibly emerging uh, first, the sunshine that is, uh, across parts of Buckinghamshire and the cloud gradually burning its way back to the east coast. It's a light, moderate, uh, light to moderate northeasterly breeze at the moment, so some good spells of sunshine later on through the morning, certainly a sunny afternoon, but temperatures not really recovering to the levels that they have done over the past few days. So we're probably looking at highs today, between 22 perhaps as high as 24 degrees celsius the best of those temperatures i think towards western areas now as we get through into this evening and overnight we've got more clouds spreading in from the east that's going to be quite tricky to shift into tomorrow morning lows tonight between 11 and 13 degrees so tomorrow yes a cloudy start some of that cloud really quite low so it could be quite a gray feeling to the day tomorrow but there'll still be some sunshine into the afternoon and in fact everything's going to turn a bit sticky and sweaty as we get towards the weekends the um, the days warming up and also the nights as well. So um, by the time we get to Friday afternoon, we're looking at 24 or 25 degrees Celsius. Those temperatures rising to possibly um, even getting up to 30 degrees by the time we get to Saturday. Very humid feel to the day, and the humidity could spark off a one or two rather dramatic thunderstorms at times as well. So something to bear in mind, I think, for the weekend if you are going out somewhere, best to uh, to pop the packamack into your bag because you might well get a heavy thundery downpour. That's the forecast. Thank you. Very much, Packer Mac. Now, before the news, we were talking to Pauline in Luton, uh, who's got a daughter who's been an alcoholic for several years. Uh, Pauline, we were just saying it, it must be incredibly painful as a mum for you to see your daughter putting herself through this. Yes, it is. It's awful. Um, at times, I I wanted to. Well, I mean, I know I can't help her anymore. It's got to be down to her. Mm. Um, and she doesn't seem to want the help. I mean, she's, as I say, she, she's lost her boys over it. And if they can't help her, then who can? She won't do it for them. Pauline, uh, C- Callan is in Bedford. Callan has called in. Callan, w- what's your uh, view on, the, on Pauline's story? 
Uh, good morning. Well, first and foremost, I would like to, to say that alcoholism is a disease. This woman is sick, and the only people that could have helped her was her family, which let her down. I would blame the mother, and, well, not as much the son, for not being there for her. She was supposed to be taken to rehab. You, as a mother, are responsible for well, your daughter. Callan, 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 yeah. hang on a second, hang on a second. Yeah. You, you, you can't blame Pauline. You just said yourself that the daughter is, is sick, it's a disease. You can't blame yes. Pauline for the daughter's disease. No, I'm not, blame, I'm not blaming her for taking action. Help. These people do need help. They need a family support. Not being let down not being walked away from. But sometimes, it sounds like, and Pauline, correct me if I'm wrong, it's, it, Pauline has offered support and has offered help, and sometimes, sometimes, for the sake of the, the sanity and the health of the rest of the family, you have to let the, the, the sick person get on with their own lives. You have to step back until they're ready to get well, don't you think? I, I have children. Thank God they're too small yet so But I will never give up on my children. You have to take them to a hospital. You have to take them checked in to, to, to everything in your powers to make sure to, to be okay. at peace in your heart. Well, let's put that... that you uh, have done everything you can to, to have this. All right, Callan, it's not a brilliant line. So stay there. Pauline, what, what do you think to what Callan's saying? I have done everything. I've had her in hospital. I've had her in rehab. I've had her living with me. Um, and every time we left the house, I come back to a mess. Um, and I had her living with me once and with her two small children and we went out and when we came back the little boy had locked himself in the cloakroom and she'd broken the door down um, because she couldn't get him out because she was drunk. I come back to um, the house being wrecked, all her friends and that have been round. Um, I've tried everything. And for the sake of the rest of the family, I've had to let her go, and she has got to decide that she wants to give up the drink. Callan? I can't do yeah. anything. She's, done, she's tried I, everything she can. I understand, but it's still, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, you, you don't give up. You never give up. That's, that's my opinion. OK, we, we, we have to end it there. Callan in Bedford, Pauline Luton, thank you very much, both of you, for coming on. And Pauline, thank you for sharing... Uh, our, our story. Well, we're, we're talking about the front page of the Sun, which is a cut-out and uh, uh, display page that's supposedly going to help Paul Gascoigne save his life. Uh, well, our reporter Justin Dealey has been getting reaction in Hemel, where the Gascoines uh, live. Justin, what have people been saying? Well, I, like you, Ian, was uh, pretty shocked by the headline today on the front page of the Sun. Don't give this man drink. I've been getting reaction, and this is what people have had to say. If you've got... Oh, I do apologise. Hang on a second. Well, Michael, we're looking at the front page of the Sun here. Yeah. What's your reaction is that offensive not not really offensive but if that's what he wants to do with his body then that's up to him at the end of the day i mean do you think a front page like that will actually help paul gascoigne because nobody wants to see paul gascoigne suffering what he's suffering right now is that really going to help him it could possibly help him because no one will possibly serve him but you're going to always have the person that's going to serve him and he's going to get away with it you know he's going to carry on like he is because always going to be someone who's going to serve him at the end of the day craig we're looking at the front page of the sun here is that really going to help paul gascoigne no it's it's not is um all his mates gary lineker uh paul merston they're all trying to help him out um, and it, it portrays an image of he's given up on everybody and that drink's got the better of him and uh, I just I just don't think it helps him or anybody else with a drink problem. Mark, first of all, what's your memories of Paul Gascoigne? For me, absolutely wonderful footballer. Uh, what about yourself? 
Yes, he was a wonderful footballer. As I said, um, fantastic talent. Um, but it's a shame to see him end up as he has done. And I think it's like a lot of young footballers these days. Um, too much too soon. Too much money. Not mature enough to deal with it. Uh, that's the problem. So what do you think about the front page of this newspaper? Is that highly offensive? Do you think something like that's really going to help Paul Gascoigne and his family, who, of course, don't live far away from where we're standing right now? No, it doesn't, does it? I mean, you know, it doesn't help them at all. Um, but it sells newspapers, and that's that, that, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Well, we're joined now by the editor of the uh, Sun newspaper, David Dinsmore. Morning, David. Good morning. Why have you done this front page? Um, for exactly the reasons that I think uh, your por- reporter said. We are trying to do some, some good here. You've got a... Uh, how a is it going to help him? How is it, how is it going to help him? Because you've got a guy who uh, seems to be on a... Uh, a, a course towards self-destruction um, and is getting drink from somewhere. The only way he's going to get better is by not drinking. Yeah, but so we it, can point out uh, the danger and the, the, the problems that it brings by giving him drink. Uh, maybe that will uh, go some way to stopping it. it. It's to sell newspapers, isn't it, David? It's to, it's to make money. You're, you're exploiting a man with a disease that's, that's slowly committing suicide. Yeah, it's to make money. To, if people want to cut out uh, our front page, cut off the, the masthead of the sun and stick it up just to get that message out, I'm perfectly happy. The story I want to be writing in five years' time is an interview with Paul Gascoigne saying, I haven't had a drink for five years and I've got my life back together. What I don't want to be doing is his obituary. Listen, that's a story I want to be reading as well. I want this man to get well. But do you, do you really think the, the exploitative front pages you've had about him recently, and this in particular... It's not good. I don't know if you know anything about alcoholism, but this isn't going to help him at all. Well, I think, you know, if you've read the story, uh, and I would encourage you and your readers to do so, you will read from Ronnie Rani, the cricketer, one of his friends. You'll read from Alex Best, George Best's wife, that uh, most of the problem with this is fans who want to spend an afternoon with uh, their idol. They're more than happy to buy a drink for him, uh, and that is part of the problem. Uh, so th- it's, this is exactly the issue that we're trying to tackle head on here. Do you not feel that it is exploitative, though, that he has got a medical condition, that, uh, and by, by putting this on the front page, th- do you really genuinely believe, David, it, it, deep in your heart, that this is going to have any effect on his drinking whatsoever? Absolutely, I do. And I think that uh, you know, the other option is just to completely ignore it. And Maybe you, you should do you, that. If you ignore, if you ignore uh, problems, people that haven't people problems that people have in society, and brush them under the carpet, then we'll be in a terrible position. People people drink because they are ashamed and guilty and have low self esteem. They drink, then they get sober, and they they have more shame and more guilt and more low self esteem. If he sees this, this is going to make him feel like a piece of something you see on the street. This is going to make him feel worse. I don't think so. Do you I know anything about alcoholism? Have you, have you worked with people who've got uh, alcoholics? I have, I have, of course, over the years I have. OK. Because uh, I, I suggest you maybe do a little bit more research, because this is going to make him well, feel hold awful. hold on a second, hold on a second. Yeah. Because you're doing exactly the same. Mm. You know, you've had an entire programme based on this subject. Yeah. And you're, you know, you're tackling it in a, in a very, um, you know, your reporter's questioning uh, was, uh, you know, they were very leading questions. I don't think it's a very a balanced view of things. And what we are saying, we're going out here, we're saying, look, there is a big problem here. There's the, you've got the clash of celebrity with a disease. Uh, and th- that mixture is very potent. 
we've seen many footballers who've come out the other side of it because I think that actually what they go through, uh, they have uh, huge highs and many people uh, celebrating their success and what they've achieved and so on. Then their careers come to an end and they've got nothing left. They don't have a, uh, the, the, the format of going to training every day uh, so they replace that with. Uh, oh, I understand that. Listen, I totally problem. understand it. I just, so, I just think that this is a little bit exploitive and a little bit cruel. It's, it's not cruel at all. What you think it's a good idea to give him a drink? No, I think it's well, a bad idea to put a front page on exploiting uh, Paul Gascoigne no, so that no. you make money when it's the, just going to make the, him feel even big, worse and make him go and drink even more. No, the big problem here is that people are giving him drink. Right, that is the number one issue. Nothing else. That is not going to, David. One. That is not going to stop people giving him a drink. And if you really think it is, I, you, that's so, just ridiculous. So that he walks into a bar today, and people have seen that front page. I think people will think twice about it. And I, and if we, I hope, have, I, if, listen. If I hope you're right, and I'm case, wrong. I hope you're right, and I'm wrong. Case, then we have achieved something. I hope you're right, and I'm wrong. And and uh, when will you get the figures in, and how many extra papers you shifted? Well, that is not what this is about. Okay. As okay. I've already said to you. Of course, it's not. David, nice to talk to you. David uh, Dinsmore, editor of The Sun. Prakash, let me ask... Oh, let's uh, get the latest travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Into Oxfordshire, the M40 southbound reports of a car fire before Junction 7 at Tame. It is on the hard shoulder, though. We had a call from David about that. Things still slow on the A1 at the Black Cat roundabout. Dunstable a bit busy on the A5. Clockwise M25 queues through the roadworks. Anti-clockwise slow all the way.